everyone, and welcome to the Cinematic Schematic, the official podcast of thecinematropolis.com, your home to thoughtful conversations on film. I'm your host, Caleb Masters, and today we are celebrating the beginning of spooky season in the only sensible, respectable manner for a cinephile. And that's right. We are going to be talking about not one, not two, not three, but a series of short mini reviews covering some of 2022's best horror films that we've seen so far to date. We're going to start with spoiler-free reviews of the Ty West 2022 double feature, X, followed by its prequel, Pearl. And then we're also going to do a spoiler-free review of the recent Shutter hit, Watcher. And then we're going to conclude the show with a spoiler-filled discussion covering Barbarian. So again, spoiler-free in the front for the, the first batch of films, but we really want to talk in-depth spoilers for Barbarian, as you'll hear, because we don't want you to know anything about it before you see it. We'll get into that later. So again, you'll be very clearly warned before we start talking about Barbarian. And I can't just talk about horror movies alone. No, no, I had to bring, I guess I could call you the double D's this week. Double D's, Dalton Stewart from Good Trash Media and the Good Trash Genrecast. Dalton, welcome to the show. Happy to be here, Caleb. Always a, always a treat to come visit over at the Cinematic Schematic. Thank you so much, sir. And hey, congratulations on 10 years of Good Trash Genrecast. Thank you. Thank you. We uh, well, well, I'm sure you'll give me a chance to plug shit at the end. But uh, yeah, we just wrapped a, a, a sort of a 10 year retrospective marathon and we are starting our 11th horror marathon. So Shocktober, Shocktober 11. We're calling it shock from the book of shocks. <laughs> just, oh, some, just some silly bullshit. But yeah, we're, we're having a good time uh, celebrating a spooky season. Uh, yeah, we just talked, um, uh, nightmare before Elm street, which we'd never covered. Um, oh, wow. and, uh, we've got plenty of other fun stuff coming down. Uh, that uh, I can't wait to tell you about. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So ladies and gentlemen, that's the good trash genre cast 10 years of podcasting. And I have to say guys, it, it takes a lot of work to keep a podcast going for, you know, a month, let alone a year, let alone 10 years. So again, kudos to you guys, Thank uh, you. for, uh, sticking to it. I think it's great. Shocktober is always, uh, one of my favorite, uh, seasons over at the good trash genre cast. We're also joined by the second of the, the double D pair, Daniel Bo Kemper of the Cinematropolis. Daniel, welcome back. <laughs> hey y'all. It's happy. It's great to be here. Sorry. I just wanted to pre spook everyone a little bit. A spooky <laughs> laugh. We're, yeah, yeah. I, I was, uh, hearing that laugh come out of your beard was truly pretty, pretty spooky. Good. Good. But no, I am, I am so fantastic. I love horror movies. I love October because it's a time to curate your horror films and, watch one nearly every not night if not every night if not two a night which is what i like to do sometimes and some of these films uh, a couple of them lend themselves to a very spooky double feature but if you do it right you can do what we did and start in september that's right i honestly yes yeah i figured you well <laughs> it did not wait see, based on the movies we're talking about today i assumed you would both start in september i yeah. started oh, in I, january I, <laughs> I did in fact start in september and, and, and have been trying the one a day approach with my uh my partner and fiance lauren uh and the one a day as long as i can keep it going before she murders me so you know so wouldn't far, that be can, just an appropriate end though so so, so far yeah. so good so far so good but she's like we've already watched like five horror movies and it's only october 1st and i'm like exactly it's the best time of the year but no uh we're having fun uh ladies and gentlemen before we get to our series of reviews today i just wanted to quickly note that if you're listening to the show today and you enjoy the conversation please support the show by subscribing and leaving us a rating and review on your podcast app and this is actually not even a plea to support the show this is a plea for your own safety because spooky season 
the ghosts show up, the ghoulies show up, and mm-hmm. they're going to haunt you and say, why didn't you rate or review this podcast? These content creators put so much love and affection and time into crafting these conversations. How dare you not rate and review it? That's what the ghosts are going to be saying yeah, for you this year. Don't, so, don't, don't let the phantasms win. No. Don't let them win. No, it's, it, 30 seconds of your time is going to save you from months of sleepless nights. So, again, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, check us out there. Leave us a rating or review. With all that said, though, let's jump right into the first movie we're going to be discussing today, which is one of two Ty West films that have been released this year, X. Farmer's Daughter, take one. I need to be famous, Wayne. All the best people are. There ain't nobody else out there like you. You know why? Why? Because you got that X factor. So according to IMDb, X is described as, in 1979, a group of young filmmakers, yeehaw, set out to make an adult film in rural Texas. Yeehaw. It was a little premature on the yeehaw. Wait, now, was the yeehaw an editorial decision, or was that in the IMDb synopsis? <laughs> that, was, that was an editorial. I am editorializing. <laughs> I, I, okay. You're you legally me. obligated you to use that in the <laughs> same sentence as Texas. Uh, yeehaw. But- <laughs> But when their reclusive elderly hosts catch them in the act and the cast find themselves fighting for their lives. Yeah, that's right. They find themselves in one goddamn fucked up horror picture. (laughs) (laughs) To quote X itself. Yes, yeah. X is written and directed by Ty West and stars Mia Goth, Jenna Ortega, Brittany Snow, Martin Henderson, and Kid Cudi, among many other talented actors. This movie actually came out, was it April, right? I think it was April. Yeah. 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 April timeframe, and uh, let's just really quickly go go around the table. What did we think of X, the latest film from Ty West, Daniel Bokemper? Oh, I, I I really enjoyed it. It's an effective horror movie, but it doesn't take itself too seriously, and that's, I think, really important for this kind of film. Um, that's a bit, I don't want to say derived, but definitely inspired by, you know, something like the Texas Chain, uh, Toby Hooper's Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I'd say derived. We'll give it derived. There's a little <laughs> bit. It does, it at least does something a little different but it is very much yes absolutely at, at the very least a very direct homage to it and by extension derivative but see what you're missing daniel is it doesn't have the x factor that the original texas chainsaw massacre oh it has the x factor well uh, i want should i be a, should i joke or should i be serious no it's i i would say like it pairs well with that film it's not gonna be as maybe important in the in the history of all cinema but it definitely is still Carving its own path. Well, the, the thing I like about X is that, and I'm not just saying this from what we know now, uh, because going into it, I did not know this was going to be turned into a franchise in any capacity. And I think even the way they're approaching the franchise to it is uh, the, the franchise effect. I should say is 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 very interesting. Ty West is definitely taking this franchise into a tethered yet um, a very unique direction. I also want to praise uh, without. I don't know if this is spoilery I, I think you or can not. say Mia Goth plays multiple roles yes, in the film. Yes, yes, and yeah. that is an excellent. Yeah, Mia Goth's performance is is iconic. The uh, acoustic cover of Landslide, uh, Fleetwood Mac's Landslide, is is also an excellent sequence and placed at a very, uh, very, uh, uh, a very great place in the film. And I, I think, yeah, it's just, it, it has that, like, established franchise feel without being one in of itself right now. And I think that's that's really nice how they were able to still kind of recapture that experience and still make this seem like it fits just right at home with a lot of other important horror film pieces. Is it the best at what it does? No, not necessarily, but it's still great. And I think it is, um, 
it is one of many films you should add to your Halloween watch list. Absolutely. So Daniel Bokemper coming in really positive. Dalton Stewart, what did you think of X? Mm. Mm. I mean, look, it's been a few months. We'll, we'll admit, you know, we're, we're, we're here doing a round table talking about some movies and it, it's been a while since I've seen X. I did not get a chance to rewatch it for this discussion, unfortunately, but uh, I wasn't a fan. Uh, I, I think it suffers in comparison to, uh, the, the things it's trying to emulate. Now I do, I'm going to give props where, where they're due. Uh, here's to getting sex back on screen. American cinema has been very sexless for the last decade. It's true. Bunch of prudes. I agree. Especially I, in horror. Well, I, you know, I just, I, I think the, the marvelification of, of American movies has, has taken all the sexuality out of them. And I will give credit where credit is due to X. I, I appreciate, uh, not just that it's a film that has sexuality on the screen, but the fact that it's like engaging with sexuality as a core theme and as a core idea, I, I think is really interesting. And I think setting it back in the salacious seventies, uh, definitely kind of helps out with that vibe, right? It kind of fits in line with what they're trying to do. Uh, I don't know. I think the movie's kind of ageist, uh, and I don't like that. I, I just, I, I never got over the fact that I don't think, uh, a, a naked old woman is very scary. And uh, I think the movie wants me to think that that's scary. And I just don't. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I don't know. That's your mileage may vary. Uh, and I might be selling the film short. It might be up to something a little more clever and a little subversive than I'm giving it credit for. But uh, I don't know. It just that aspect of it did not really work for me. And I feel like that's a pretty central uh, linchpin of the film is is for you to find uh, their elderly host, Pearl, intimidating or frightening. And I don't know. I find her interesting. For sure. I just don't know that I find her scary. And I also don't know that the kills are very effective. There's one kill in particular that I think is pretty good, but it's also ruined by a fairly on the nose needle drop, if you ask me. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm definitely of a mixed mind about this movie. I don't hate it by any means. I, you know, I think it's fun. Uh, I had a good time watching it. Uh, but, it, you know, it, it also is for a slasher film. It's a little shaggy in the pacing. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's characters are, are likable, which I think is good. You know, we, we actually get to get some investment in our characters before they're, uh, you know, unceremoniously taken out. But, uh, you know, I, I as much as I enjoy that extra time spent with the characters, I think the pacing does suffer a little bit. So, again, I, not a movie I hate, but a movie that I'm I'm not particularly excited about ever revisiting or, or adding to my my spooky season watch list. All right. All right. I think that's fair. I think those are fair criticisms. I'm going to come in sort of the middle. I enjoy the movie quite a bit. To your point there, Dalton, I don't know if it's one I'm going to be rushing back to revisit so much. I had, I had a great time. It was like a ride. Sure. I'm watching it. Oh, cool. We got the grindhouse, the 70s horror slasher vibe going on. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I'm like, oh, it's a throwback picture. Uh, it, I think the premise of it, it being about them making a porno, it being sort of like the 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 vehicle that gets us to the horror film is is a fun premise that I think they they really engage with in some pretty cool ways. I hear what you're saying about the ages piece. I want to just add a little bit of color to it. Sure, sure. I I don't think you're necessarily wrong on its face that the the movie is leaning on the fact that they're old and she is mentally ill as the thing driving the horror. But I do think the thing that adds a little, gives me a little bit of leeway to not be so harsh on the, on just direct ageism is that it is that they are in the middle of nowhere. They don't know these people and the context on her own. I don't know if Pearl's really scary you know, it's pretty scary. They w waking up in the middle of the night and there's an old lady with her arm who have, uh, yeah, I don't know with laying on top of me. Right. So, so it's like, it's, is she on her own scary? I think she's scary because she's unpredictable, not because she's old. Yeah. That I, okay. I think I'd say that's fair. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not going to push back too hard. 
But but I, no, I, but I don't think you're wrong either. The, yeah. the fact that she is old is definitely supposed to yeah. be a factor yeah. in, in her being creepy. Well, and I think there's thematics there that are interesting, right? Like this pining for youth. Yes. This, this, the, this fact that you have to get okay with your body being failable. Like mm. you're not going to be able to do the things you want to do your entire life. Right. And you have to get okay with that. And I think that it's as, as a theme that's interesting. But, I, you know, I just execution wise, I don't know how. Yeah. You know, and Daniel said something kind of offhandedly a second ago about X Factor. And I, I do think that, you know, Toby Hooper's film has it and this film doesn't. Yeah. And that's now well, to spoil a little bit. I think another Ty West film from this year has got X Factor. Uh, ah, but I yes. don't I just I, this the film is missing something special for me. It doesn't quite pop. But I I think you're fair to push back on on me, Caleb, because I, I think the film is like at least thematically rich enough that it's engaging with its ideas. You know, it's not right. just like saying old people are scary, huh? It, it is like actually like thematically interesting as far as like what it's trying to do, I think. Well, and, and to your point, d- does it fully realize all the themes I don't? And that's why it, <laughs> even though I don't think it was pitched as a double feature, it definitely feels designed as a double feature for Pearl, which we're going to talk about yeah. in a little bit because they definitely lay the foundation for Pearl as a very intriguing character sure she has that uh she has a conversation with her husband midway through the movie where she they i feel like the themes are really on the forefront which Mm -hmm. is she wanted all this stuff out of life but chose out of some sort of for some sort of like self-righteous reasons she chose to not go down that route and she now has resentment towards everyone who's doing the stuff Mm -hmm. that she wanted to do and they don't really explore that a ton in this movie outside of i would say that one conversation, but it does sort of lay the foundation for the second part of the double feature. So I think you're fair on its own. It does. It does really leave the movie feeling pretty. I don't want to say shallow, but unfulfilling. Okay. I'll put it that way. Uh, there's a lot more on the table to, than what the film and like, it's not even that long. That's another thing I wanted to add is it's a short suite, what mm-hmm. 90 minutes. Yeah. And there's so much left unexplored that I, I'm glad we get the follow-up films. I, I, yeah. And I think that's why I like, but I, but I do, I, I want to agree with Dalton. First of all, that it is, it is a bit ageous and it is like people think most people think old people are kind of scary naturally. So let's just like play to that. And I think that's like, like that, that's yeah. what it's 30. It's feeding off of that Absolutely. Um, misconception, I think. And um, whether it's doing it with a lot of tact all the time, like eh, I, I probably not, but I will say one of the, what I was thinking less of when I was watching it was, and again, not to get too into like spoiler territory, but I think we're kind of at least dipped our toes in a little bit is that I'm not questioning like it, I guess I was okay with saying it's never like the, the age thing isn't the, the, the soul, like it, it, it gets us primed, but like, I found myself more of like, how did these people, um, you know, Pearl and Howard, how have they existed and lived in this way for 50, 60, like that, that is where that was, what was building up the horror for me. Okay. And also kind of building a funny scenario. Cause again, I feel like I was laughing just as much as I was like, like kind of jumping in this film. If I remember our, our yeah. viewing experience was very uproarious. And I, so you and I saw it together and mm-hmm. I know at least for me, a lot of the laughter came out of just how grossly uncomfortable, uh, yeah. we were in moments, but it was also like, Oh, they've been, they've been doing it for a while. And again, I don't want to like praise say, Oh, what the movie has going for it or the thing, the, the, a lot of the implications. And that's, what's like makes an error. The questions I was asking myself, because I don't think that, cause the film should kind of reasonably explore those things. Um, to some extent at least, but I did find myself attaching to those, like, how does this work? And it, it got me excited about like wanting to see more of that 
And so I guess that's where I kind of receive it a little bit better in that way, just in that premise, in that setup, in that like it's got that franchise feel and it's not even a franchise yet. I right. Guess. Yeah. I mean, that's why I kind of come down middle of the road, meaning I had a really good time with it. I I, I was left with more questions and then I found out uh, – because we just happened to stick around throughout the entire credits. That there's another movie coming in the same year. Yeah. That was uh, my experience as well. We just happened to stay because we were kind of talking with some friends yeah. after, as the credits were rolling. We just happened to see. I think we were about to leave and, and uh, a friend of mine uh, that we were there with happened to mention that there was something. Um, and on, again, that got me so excited. Yeah. Even yeah. In, in watching X, a film that I was pretty mixed on and and uh, you know wasn't thrilled with when it concluded. It ends with this trailer for Pearl mm -hmm. and that just got me extremely hyped up. I, I don't know what it is, but that, that the, the post credits trailer is like cut very well yeah, and yeah. Uh, does a really compelling job of selling an expansion of, of this uh, universe. If only because it's it got another visual language entirely. Mm -hmm. and, and for a film to be like, here's a movie and then end with a tee up for a different film you know, when a Marvel movie tees up a new movie, it looks exactly the same. Yeah. Uh, to, to have a film tee up something that looks totally different from what you just saw yeah. is really exciting to me. And so I, I just found that experience of watching X really thrilling. Uh, it, just that that tee up for, yeah. hey, this kind of creative film you just saw, they, they decided there was enough here to do something else with it. When I love that it, it just feels like a great movie experience. Like mm -hmm. again, we, we didn't know. It's a fun surprise. Yeah. I was like, Holy cow. Yeah. There's this other movie coming this year. What? And, and it happens to be about the thing that my, at least even when I watched the, the thing I was most interested in learning about, it's mm -hmm. about that thing. I'm like, Holy cow. Awesome. It, it, it's just a great movie experience. You mm -hmm. know, the nice surprises. I really don't feel like that happens very often anymore no. because of the Marvel vacation of, mm -hmm. of like post credit stingers and whatnot. Yeah. Um, okay. So I just really quickly want to turn it to you, uh, Dalton to talk a little bit about how you would compare X to maybe some of Ty West's other films. And I, I asked this question because especially on the good trash genre cast, you guys have covered several of, of yeah. the movies and generally are pretty big fans of Ty West, uh, largely, as, far, as I can recall. So how would you compare this to maybe some of his previous films? Oh, well, that's part of why I was so disappointed in this film, is I am a, a really big Ty West fan. Uh, I love The House of the Devil. I think that that is one of the best horror films the last couple of decades. I think that movie is absolutely incredible. Uh, I think The Innkeepers is kind of a fun hangout workplace comedy that happens to have some horror elements. I think it's a really interesting film. Uh, a movie that I kind of bounced off of the first time, but I've like since seen again and have, have really grown to appreciate and love. Um, I think the sacrament is really interesting as a sort of a de not quite a deconstruction of the found footage genre, but definitely a, uh, an interesting exploration of the found footage genre, uh, and, and sort of using, um, our, our conception of journalism, uh, circa the 2010s and, and kind of making fun of vice a little bit and in the way, as far as the framing of its found footage narrative. Uh, again, I, I just think those are all really interesting films and I've heard nothing but great things about his first two features, which are way smaller, um, than, um, house of the devil, which itself is a fairly small film, but his, his first two features, um, of course there's the, um, <laughs> unfortunate cabin fever sequel that he tried to disown, but he's got an earlier film that I'm the name of, I'm forgetting at the moment for, for whatever reason. Uh, but I've, I've heard pretty good things about that. But again, just as far as the filmography of his that I've seen, he is, I don't know, really interesting in, in that he's always doing something different kind of stylistically, but is always in conversation with other films as definitely like a filmmaker that has a love for cinema. Um, I, I think that that's something you can find in all of his movies and also just kind of an interest in history. You know, I think his, 
um, sort of using the 80s satanic panic as a framing device for the house of the devil, I think is really kind of clever. And again, that film is very like formalistically like trying to be an 80s VHS horror classic that you never heard about. It is really trying to capture both like the period feeling uh, of the film, but also like the filmmaking style itself is like very much trying to root, be rooted in, in older techniques. And it, it just, I don't, I think that that film is so great. And it's Jocelyn Donahue is the lead in that film is just excellent. Really carries the entire film pretty sh- effortlessly. Uh, and I'm a big fan of his, his Western in a Valley of violence. Uh, obviously I'm, you know, if you've heard me talk about movies on a podcast before, you probably know that I like Ethan Hawke quite a bit. Uh, and yeah, I just, I love Ethan Hawke in that movie. I think it's such an interesting departure from the rest of his films. Um, as far as, you know, doing, a, a a period Western, just very outside of that, that realm of horror that he typically worked in. And I, I think he finds a way to, integrate that into his filmography pretty seamlessly. It, it definitely feels of a piece with those other movies. And and X, I mean, definitely feels of a piece with his other films, especially the ways in which it's doing a couple of different tones. You know, I, I think that that's, for me, what I've, I've found throughout Ty West's work is he's often operating at a couple of different levels. And X is definitely trying to do that. It's trying to be funny. It's trying to be sexy. It's trying to be scary. And it, it does all three of those things at varying degrees of success. Um, so I think that, there, that there's value in that for sure. Um, I, I appreciate it a lot. I, I think it is the weakest of all of those films that I've just mentioned. Okay. Um, I, I would say it's maybe up there. It's, it's alongside the sacrament, which I think is also not a, a, as a flawed film is still a success as a film. And, uh, for me, X is mostly a success. I, I know, I know a lot of people who don't care for this film. Uh, I know just as many people who really don't like X as I do that like it. And I think that those are, I think that's fair. I think it's kind of a mixed bag that mostly succeeds. And that's about how I feel about the sacrament is a mixed bag that mostly succeeds. So I would, I would definitely compare it to that film. Do you think that he's able to successfully recreate that sort of 70s grindhouse horror vibe uh, as he was with me with the 80s VHS tapes? I don't think so. No. And I don't know what it is. And, and maybe I need to like rewatch House of the Devil and this film and, and really kind of can put them up against each other for comparison. Uh, I don't know. There's period touches like uh, some some local TV stuff in House of the Devil that really works. And I think the the preaching and that we get some televangelist stuff in the background of X. And I don't know that that works as well as far as like place, putting you in a a place and a a time, a set and setting quite as well as the the house of the devil does with its, it's sort of in universe TV gags that it pulls. Um, I could, I you know, I I could be wrong again on a rewatch. I could find myself feeling differently, but I, I don't, I don't ever, didn't ever feel like, um, the, the televangelist stuff's that well integrated into X, even though I know I can see what it's doing, right? It's, it's trying to comment on, uh, you know, America's sort of issues with sexuality, uh, both as far as like a kind of our puritanical bent, but also our, our, uh, unabashed love for pornography. And it's trying to put those things up against each other and yep. juxtapose them. And so I, I, I get what it's doing there at some level, but you know, I didn't, I learned after the fact, uh, from the internet that Maxine is supposed to be the daughter of that televangelist. Mm-hmm. Not clear to me from the film. Uh, I don't know at what point in the movie I was supposed to have picked up on that, but I never did. Uh, and the internet had to. Uh, it's a very loose tie. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Totally missed it. Uh, again, I, I only bring that up to say I feel like that I just think all the time of uh, don't forget to make the popcorn. I like mine with butter, which is just a weird exchange that two TV anchors have in the house of the devil, like as they're teeing up a movie night that's about to start. 
just great stuff. Uh, I think the pizza ordering is there's just so many like interesting details in House of the Devil that I feel like really sell the period for me a little bit better than uh, X does. Uh, and again, I think stylistically uh, that film is a little bit more um, hewing towards the, those those visual cues. Uh, this film, I don't know. I, th- there's no like. I mean, I could, again, it's been a while since I've seen the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, I could be missing some pretty overt visual references. Uh, but I think a lot of that film is kind of interesting, uh, rudimentary tracking shots that are shouldn't work, that are, on you know, the cobbled together on, on a set that was a nightmare to work on. Uh, but there's so many kind of interesting camera moves in, in uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And I, I just, I don't know, X didn't really ever... There's a couple of moments uh, that kind of work as I'm thinking about it now. I think there's there's a few moments of cleverness. I think the, the sex scenes are interestingly shot. I think the scenes where Pearl is observing our, our young uh, murder victims, soon to be murder victims. I, I think all that stuff's really interesting. But uh, again, that's th- that was a very long winded way to answer your question, which is I like House of the Devil better. <laughs> I, I think it, it is doing those those visual references a little bit more cleanly yeah no i think that's fair because uh again that was one of the things that stuck out to me about this movie is i I felt like the had a lot of the aesthetic touches of a 70s horror movie but i was curious when comparing it to his previous works i hadn't really made that comparison but i mean house the devil is pretty exceptional i just think it's an unimpeachable film yeah Yeah. i love that movie and x i just don't think is successful it's definitely on the same level i i don't think Uh, even if there are a lot of things i like about x that are also present in house the devil and vice versa i I just don't think x is a whole package uh is quite there but daniel uh i want to turn to you here i mean uh, i mean have you Tell me a little bit more about some of your previous Ty West ventures and how this compares to the uh, opposite of Dalton, really, because I um, the innkeepers and House of the Devil are on my current Halloween watch list for this year, but I have not made it to them yet. I'm very excited for you. Yes, I uh, know. I'm even more excited after uh, your description, but also um, I have I, I didn't realize the sacrament was Ty West. Oh, um, yeah. OK, I don't remember that movie terribly fondly. I do remember it and uh, what it was about, um, and I think it did some interesting things but i it's so hard sometimes by default something being a found footage film to me immediately like gives me this like oh i feel like that's just a way to try it like like i, I almost want to assume that it's not going to do anything interesting with that genre it's just being that for the sake of being it because that's it's really popular uh, but i feel like the sacrament actually does something to to my knowledge when you were alluding to the uh criticism of like vice and that style of journalism i, I remember it does get into that a little bit more and that's at least something different it finds an excuse to keep the cameras rolling when the guns come out which i think is a difficult thing for any of those found footage movies to do yeah absolutely but i still think i probably like x again i haven't revisited the sacrament um and then beyond x the only other thing i think of by ty west immediately was uh that segment he directed in the first vhs you're talking about vhs earlier right so i was like oh wait he uh did us Second honeymoon, I yeah, think. That's what yeah, it's called, yeah, yeah. Which is one I don't remember at all. No, I, I, cri- and I'm like, it's not. I, I definitely remember one critic that I like, uh, Jacob Knight. Uh, I think it was Jacob Knight that said that it's he finds it pretty unwatchable. Yeah, finds it, like, it's not bad. Great. So, yeah. like in comparison to that, X is like ex- exceptional to me um, in that case. But then I have, of course, seen Pearl, which is other film, and I actually, um, we'll get to that in a minute. But uh, X is not as good as that, like near even remotely to me. But I still really like X in a lot of ways. Um, so, yeah, it, it gets me excited to see his other stuff. Um, but as far as like where it places on the hierarchy, I feel like it's one of the best. But because I only have four options to pick from, 
um, personally. And so, yeah, I, I would say it's, yeah, I, I think it's probably a little bit better than the Sacrament, definitely better than his VHS segment. I do not think this is better than Pearl, but I, I like that because obviously it's, uh, it's joined at the hip with Pearl. Now, Daniel, do you mind if I make a viewing order recommendation? Yes. I would go, if you're going to watch them on the same night, I would go Innkeepers, then House of the Devil. Yeah. Okay. I would go re- the reverse of release order. Okay. Uh, a fun thing about Innkeepers is it's actually inspired by the making of House of the Devil. They were staying in the Yankee Peddler Inn, which is the inn featured prominently in the Innkeepers. Yeah. And he was just kind of struck by like this old, very haunted feeling building being staffed by all these 20 year olds. And he was just kind of struck by, huh. th- by that and wanted to make a movie about it. So it's, I don't know, just kind of an interesting production story on uh on that but yeah that's where they were they were ho- hooked up or uh, housed up for uh house of the devil so innkeepers first yeah go innkeepers first yeah. even though it's made af- it's made after house of the devil but go innkeepers yeah. first because it's, it's a little bit lighter you know again it's it's very clerks-esque you know yeah. it's it's a lot of two people hanging out talking uh, and there happens to be a ghost movie kind of happening on the periphery of that movie okay <laughs> uh, and then house of the devil is like just classic yeah uh I won't tell you anything, actually. Okay. The, 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 more, the less you know going into the House of the Devil, the better, Good. which is uh, how I feel about another film we'll talk about today. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, I don't have a lot to add, Dalton. I think you laid it out pretty well in terms of Ty West films. I, I think the I probably like The Sacrament a little better than this film, um, mostly because I just uh, I saw that one. That was so I saw that on the festival circuit in 2014. And uh, watching that in a packed theater in a festival setting, uh, it was pretty. Yeah, I bet that was pretty, what, what, pretty what memorable. What festival? Uh, did it was. Uh, I was living in Phoenix at the time, so it was the Phoenix Film Festival. Right on. And uh, it just, yeah, it was a very. Uh, it left an impression. Let's just put it that way. I think that movie in general uh, is pretty powerful in terms of like the, the the way it amps up the tension and just really gets you inside the head of like sort of like cult mentality. Um, comboed with what you were talking about with like, you're looking at like, uh, Hey, why would people be filming this awful, awful stuff? Well, that, uh, that Gene Jones performance as father oh, it's, is it's like incredible. really compelling. It's, too. Ch- it's chilling. Cause you kind of, yeah. you see the charisma and Ty West even said, uh, cause he was there to do an interview. Um, uh, after the film, he like his, he actually is like, I wasn't really making a horror movie. I just was, I want to make a movie about cults. Cause he's like, I'm obsessed with cults right now. And I think it, I thought it did a really good job at a showing what is, sort of um, attractive to certain types of people about sure. cults uh, that sort of the charisma on display while also really amping up the tension in the, in the latter part of the film, which I won't spoil, but like it's pretty upsetting stuff like the imagery and the way they execute it, the mix sound mixing everything. So it left quite an impression. So I, I have a little, I'm saying that to say I have a little bit of bias towards that film in a positive way mm-hmm. um, just because it was very memorable. But I, so I think, you know, X probably falls in the, the lower half of his filmography um, Innkeepers is a lot of fun. I've, I've, and that's one's very rewatchable. I think I've watched it like three or four times. Um, Sacrament's a one timer, I guess twice timer. I've watched it twice, but, uh, and, uh, house of the devil is like the top, top shelf. Yeah. Like, it's definitely the one you, you should save for last, uh, or I would watch his other films first. Cause like none of them reached quite reached that level. If you yeah. watch that one early, everything that comes after that's going to feel not as good. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I think, mm. well, Let's talk about the other movie. Yeah. Let's, We're going to talk about Pearl? Because I think you've just set us up to talk about Pearl yeah. quite nicely. Yeah. I, well, I think I think we should do that. I want to really quickly letter grade this one for mm, X. Mm. And then we can also talk about them as a package after we talk about Pearl. But uh, Daniel Bokemper, what letter grade would you give X on its own? I'm feeling a solid B, which I feel is pretty good considering how far back in the alphabet X is. So it went up a total 23 letters for me. 
moves up from the X rating. Yeah. Dalton Stewart. I don't know. It's like a C. I don't know. A C minus feels too mean. I think it works a little bit better than that. Probably a C. Um, I think I gave it two and a half stars on Letterboxd. So whatever that converts out to somewhere, mm-hmm. somewhere around a C. Yeah, I'm going to go with a B minus myself, yeah. uh, especially on its own. I think it's w- what's most compelling about it. Uh, we explore in Pearl, which we're going to talk about right now. family during these times is admirable but you only get one take at this life if only they would just die pardon nothing so according to imdb this one is not editorialized i've seen some pretty bad imdb synopses before but this one takes the cake pearl is described as simply backstory on how pearl became the person she was not All the right. person, just just backstory, or not the backstory, just backstory. Wow, that's yeah, yeah, yeah not yeah. great. <laughs> so uh, as we already started, step uh, up your game, IMDb users. Seriously, just a little bit. I'll, I'll, if you guys will pay me like five dollars, I'll write one way better for that for you. Come on, they're not going to pay you, man. I know. No, no. user generated content's too valuable. So uh, again, Pearl is written and directed by Ty West, and also stars Mia Goth, uh, David Corner Sweat, Emma Jenkins Puro, and Tandy Wright. And I would also mention that uh, Mia Goth is also credited as a co-writer on this yes. film. Ah, uh, yes, and a Ty producer. West. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's EP and a co-writer with Ty West. Uh, which kudos to her, man. Her, I, I think we we didn't get to talk about how, uh, I mean, Daniel acknowledged it. She was awesome in X. Yeah. We really get to see her hit some home runs Ooh. in Pearl. So with, with that said, I uh, just want to quickly note, fun fact, the legend, the man, Marty Scorsese, uh, reportedly said uh, about Pearl, I was enthralled, then disturbed, then so unsettled that I had trouble getting to sleep, but I couldn't stop watching. So, that he left is off, the, he peed his pants. <laughs> right. Uh, so Dalton Stewart, mm. what did you think of Pearl? I think this movie is really good. I like this movie a lot. This might be one of the best post-pandemic movies. Uh, I think it manages to be about by by being set in 1918 during the uh, that that span that the flu epidemic uh, that uh, I don't know mm. did not actually originate in Spain. I don't know. I think it's the Spanish flu. Is that's what, what they, they call it. it. But there's obviously no no no. That's yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's a reason why. Uh, there's lots of reasons why we shouldn't call it that. Right. Uh, right, right. But I think it is just factually inaccurate. Actually. But anyway, uh, it's set during the 1918 flu epidemic, and and like because of that is able to be about kind of our our recent issues uh, globally. And I, I don't know, it's it is very cleverly integrated into the film, like those those feelings of isolation that we've all experienced over the last two years. I think the film like speaks to very interestingly, you know, you can definitely tell that they were thinking about the pandemic as they were writing this movie. Uh, I think it shows. Um, but yeah, I, I think that that period piece element works so much better here than it does in X. X, I'm like, OK, sure, this is the 70s, whatever. And maybe it's because we're further away from the 19 teens. Um, but th- this just works so much better for me. Yeah. Uh, I, I th- all that technicolor aspect of it also mm-hmm. just like is really communicates a, a bygone era for whatever reason, despite the fact that 
We obviously didn't have color photography in 1918. Uh, that the sort of 30s, 40s technicolor that they they give to the 19 teens like just really transports you in a way that sort of the washed out color palette of X trying to go for that that 70s grain or that 70s film grain just I don't know it doesn't work quite as well. Uh, and again, this is a tour de force performance for Mia Goth. I mean, there's a monologue at the end of this film that is just like totemic, truly like a next level performance. If the Oscars actually gave a shit about horror, yeah. she would be a best if, yeah, actress if Tony, nominee. If Tony Collette didn't get it for hereditary, Mia Goth's not going to get it for Pearl. But yeah, I agree. It is. It's on that level. It's incredible. Just feel your heart dropping. Into it's your stomach. such a uh, bananas monologue. Yes. And again, I think the whole film is like really interesting as a character study. It just mm-hmm. kind of puts you in her POV re- really effectively. Uh, and it does some really kind of clever stuff with the filmmaking. There's camera movements that are interesting and sort of editing choices and sound design choices that are all like really exciting. Uh, there's a, a fantasy dance number uh, that is just extraordinary. Uh, big fan of that. Uh, there's a, a almost sex scene in a cornfield that is among one of the most interesting things I think I've seen in a movie recently. Uh, I thought that was pretty wild. It's, it's definitely in the top 10 post-pandemic uh, things I've seen in a, uh, on the screen. Yeah, I yeah. as, as far as the, the 2020s go, uh, as a, a decade for film, one of the more interesting things of the decade so far. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of this movie. I think it's really interesting. Not, definitely not a horror movie. I, I think it's like a psychological drama yeah, yeah. Um, with some, some horror elements, but I, I really effective filmmaking. I'm a big fan of this. All right. So Dalton Stewart's coming down really positively on Pearl, Daniel Bokemper. Oh, I, I absolutely loved it more than X for a lot of reasons that I think some people, at least that I've heard are a little more colder on it because they saw X and they maybe wanted some kind of another like splatter fest or another like interesting, you know, very blood. I've heard that criticism. I've been telling people that uh, I've been asked by a couple of people whether or not they need to see X before seeing Pearl. And I've been saying, no, absolutely. No, not. And that's Pearl. kind of why I like it. Yeah. yeah. And I was alluding to the how the, the what could have been with the Halloween franchise with season of the witch stylistically very different. Films. Yes. Like yeah. more of an anthology piece and more of a thing. It's, it's fundamentally tackling something very different. And I really like that. And it does it really well. I, I if I was to try and pull an analogous. I like to do that thing where I, I force uh, different movies together because they're kind of similar. But I think this is like, it's like Henry portrait of a serial killer and the red shoes just perfectly yeah. melded in a very interesting way. And <laughs> I, I love that. And there's no real like jumps. It's a weird. Yeah. Those things don't that's funny. No, that's seem good. to meld. Very I love well. that. Yeah. But, but that's how I felt anyway. And like, I think it's, it, it's, there's no, like, I can't recall that there's any like real jump scares. I mean, maybe there's probably yeah. like a, there's something that kind of, but so. not, yeah, not, it's all just very well tension. And it's just like, you know, things are going to go dramatic. Even if you haven't seen X, it's the film establishes very early that Pearl's a little fucked up and you, but to see that, you know, to, to, to just see that downfall, that, 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 that emotional domino effect that, that just continually, like everything just keeps getting worse and worse and worse but you feel so bad and it's very heart-wrenching and i don't think there's like um i mean we'll talk about one another uh horror film that kind of gets at that but i don't think there are many that that have that just that 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 sense of discomfort at least this year that 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 sense of just like please please don't do what you're we know you're going to inevitably do it it makes it i don't know it just makes it um a really fun experience, but again, yeah, can't Mia Goth. Her performances are just such a standout. Um, 
she really, I mean, one thing I, I, I assume like, well, of course Mia Goth is going to be, uh, in this franchise for at least one more film. Um, and I don't know if it would, you can definitely feel she is very, very, very close to these characters and she is an integral part of this, um, this series and she just knocks it out of the park. Um, that dialogue or that, that monologue, um, Dalton alluded to, but also her, her interactions with her mother, the, even just her visual, like her, her facial expressions, um, are just so powerful and, oh, the, 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 the credits when they're rolling and you are just like frozen and locked in to like staring at Pearl. Like she, she definitely commands, um, a presence in this film. And I, I don't know. I can't say enough good things about it. I really loved it though. Yeah, uh, I, I also a huge fan here. I, I definitely like this better than X, mm-hmm. <laughs> no doubt. I think this is way more experimental in a positive way. And what I mean is, um, Dalton, you, we already talked about how uh, Ty West did it with House of the Devil with the 80s. Maybe what he did to a lesser uh, effect with uh, X in the 70s. The way, and you, you noted it, the way he uses that the Technicolor, sort of what we know about Technicolor films, sets it at a date earlier than there was actually Technicolor takes things that are tropey about those films and then recontextualizes them in a way that is truly skin crawling. Even the dance sequence, which you mentioned like in the context of, you know where this is going to go and how she, how she gets to this dance sequence one and B, you know, the outcome generally speaking. And you're like, this is fucked up. Like it's a cool sequence, but like you're the psychology behind it makes it just so twisted and dark and and like skin crawling. Um, the the closing moment of the film, which I won't spoil, does another thing where they take a Technicolor trope and cranks up to twenty five, uh, where it's just like it's pretty, like just the imagery of what you see in the final shot is wow. I've seen this a million times. If you look back at those older films, I've seen this kind of ending before. But the execution and the way they do it, it's like burned into your brain. Is like this, like just just heartbreaking imagery uh, of the, of the of the character of Pearl. So again, I think the thing I that said, what I'm trying to get at is, I love how Ty West is able to recontextualize things that we've seen in other films in a more psychological horror type film to great effect. And again, I don't think I've seen another director do something with Technicolor in this way. I'm not saying it's not been done. I just haven't seen it. And uh, especially uh, coming out of the pandemic, Dalton, the way they're able to tie uh, sort of the isolation these people felt, uh, especially for younger people who wanted to get out and go experience life to what, you know, a lot of people were probably feeling coming out of, uh, you know, 2020 through 2022. Uh, it just feels that much more relevant. And it's like, what, 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 <laughs> What did this pandemic do to us psychologically as a, you know, as humans, right? Like, yeah. and it had just, it had different impacts on different people. So very irrelevant. Um, again, recontextualizing what we've seen with things we haven't seen really creates a pretty compelling film in my opinion. But I think uh, outside of that, you guys have already said it really well. Pearl's pretty outstanding. Uh, so I mean, we've already said it's really not a horror movie. Uh, can it- I re- can I read you something that might help us talk about what kind of movie it is? Yeah, sure. Because uh, I was I was actually looking for an excuse to bring this up, and I think you at, you mentioning us saying it's not a horror movie is, is a good pivot point for this. Yeah. Uh, so this is from a Letterboxd user that I follow called Anna Kendrick Lamar. Great, great handle. Love that. Four and a half star review for Pearl. Um, this is what they had to say. Many movies have been colloquially dubbed Joker for women. 
but this is the only one that actually earns the title. She's a star, she's a star, she's a star, she's a star, she's a big, bright, shining star. Uh, and I, I think Joker for Women is uh, definitely, I, I haven't seen um, a Promising Young Woman uh, or, um, oh gosh, what was the other one people were calling Joker for Women? I can't remember. There's been a couple other ones, but uh, that, that's the one that sticks out in my mind is Promising Young Woman. Yeah. Um, and I, I think uh, I, I like that uh, adjective or that adjective, that, uh, that describer uh, for uh, Pearl. I think it's kind of an interesting way to look at the film as just far as a, a character study of a, a deeply psychologically troubled uh, young woman. Uh, yeah. I think that that is sort of at, at its root what it is, is, is a character study of, of a psychologically disturbed person. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's actually a really great way to posit it. Uh, that I think the Joker is probably the most apt comparison, honestly, in terms of if I was to 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 find another movie that is the most like this film, mm-hmm. I, I think Joker would would probably be it. Um, I I you know Caleb, I enjoy still not having to have an opinion about Todd Phillips, the Joker, uh, or Joker. I'm sorry, there's no definite article there. No, uh, I love not having an opinion about that movie. It feels incredible. Uh, I I hope to never see the film so I can continue to not have an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we we haven't really talked about this movie on we this podcast. We haven't. Uh, oh, you mean no, the, this this podcast did not review Joker? Okay. Um, I thought you meant you and I. I was like, yeah, you we and I, you and I definitely it. haven't talked about it. Yeah, we'll keep it that way. We'll save the, the non opinions <laughs> for off the air. I guess uh, maybe, maybe we'll do a, a super packed episode for uh, fully ado. Ooh. Uh, mm, yeah. Thinking. Okay. <laughs> I mean, oh, that, no. the, the sequel does sound interesting it sounds like it's gonna spinning. be a it does sound like it's gonna be a musical so uh you know we'll see i i can't wait <laughs> uh but yeah uh daniel i mean i don't i don't know if i could say it any more eloquently than that though joker for women i think is a great great comparison um daniel anything you'd like to add about how this you might compare this to other horror films that have come out this year i think again it's just not horror other horror films but other films in the horror genre yeah yeah absolutely it's i think it's just the psychological aspect of it i think that's it's definitely its primary distinguisher i i think we are truly immersed in the mind of pearl Mm. you know and i don't we don't get to see that um i mean we've seen it before i in horror films in general but but especially this year we don't get that just that such an intimate approach and such and you begin to not that you begin to like understand why she decides to start violently killing people, but you understand her own internal logic. And sometimes that's really hard to convey because you just don't always have that intimacy with that care, that, that kind of character with, you know, your, your protagonist is also happens to be the killer. Um, and it's not in a like roundabout way, you know, from the get go um, that that's, that's the role she plays. And I think just getting, yeah, pushing that intimacy, uh, that monologue again, if anything like that film just builds so perfectly up to that moment and, and and that really uh, describes it better than I ever could what what this film is fundamentally about and what it means. And I and again, I just think that the psychological intimacy to the the thing we're supposed to be afraid of, to the person we're supposed to be afraid of is 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 definitely how it distinguishes itself and just truly like carves its own path. Um, and again, if you're looking for just a lot of gruesome, crazy kills and things like that, it's that's not what Pearl is. Um, it just isn't, but if, well, no, I love how the kills in the movie, again, going back to the riff on the technicolor, but like, they're all, they're they, still, they cool all, looking. I mean, they're cool, but they look like they were shot 
in a Technicolor film style, very theatrical. Yes. Like, you know, uh, yeah. like people getting stabbed with pitchforks and they're like just going, you know, ham mm-hmm. with the motions. Like, that's the thing. I love it. I, that's the kind of stuff I yeah. find charming about the film. It is. At the yeah. end of the day. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's another um, very well ed- edited, like, uh, kaleidoscopic sequence where you yeah, get to see is. Uh, yeah what a sequence i know and not don't want to spoil it but again it, it comes at the uh, this film has it this film builds it's up to its conclusion very 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 well yeah um, the last 15 to 20 minutes of pearl are, are amazing yeah pretty yeah. expertly built too exactly and yeah so so i would say that just how it distinguishes itself though it is it is that psychological intimacy we have to the film's lead well, uh, clearly we really like the film and y- you know, you know what I also like about this film, much like X also, this film is only an hour and 43 minutes long. Mm-hmm. You're able to really tackle some complex characters stylistically and in a really engaging fashion in less than two hours. All of, I mean, that's just the cherry on top, but, uh, it was kind of nice to see like such an in-depth character study that is thrilling that is also short. It feels like it's short and sweet. I was never bored. You know, any, any chance, you know, you think psych, sometimes you think psychological character drama, Oh, it's going to get boring. Or it's going to slow down mm-hmm. edge of my seat the whole time. So again, the, the, the runtime was a cherry on top. The older I get, the more, the shorter films really, uh, becomes a, becomes a plus for Absolutely. Me. Uh, yeah. I know what you mean, man. So uh, with all that said though, uh, what letter grade are we going to give Pearl? I think it's pretty clear that we all say you should go and see it. It's now mm-hmm. playing in theaters. Uh, Daniel. Ooh, a minus. Pearl has that X factor. Sure. It goes with the X factor. Dalton Stewart? A B plus, but I could definitely see myself uh, going higher on rewatch for sure. Yeah, I I, I like this movie a lot. Yeah, I'm, I'm also going to do a B plus. Uh, I think it's it's worth revisiting. Unlike X, this is one I definitely can see next year dusting off and saying, I've had time to think about it. Let's let's see how it, how it sticks up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is our review of Pearl. Go see it now playing in theaters. And uh, if you're not going to theaters, as soon as it's available VOD, I highly encourage you to spend that money. It'll be well worth your time. Let's move on to our next review here, which is Watcher. She too? I, uh... You don't speak Romanian. You don't like? No, it's lovely. There's this guy that lives across the street, and he's always looking over here. Looking over here how? Every time I look over there, he's just staring right at me. Hello, darling. Any reason in particular you're standing in the dark? So according to IMDb, Watcher is described as a young American woman moves with her husband to uh, Bucharest and uh, begins to suspect a stranger who watches her from the apartment building across the street may be a local serial killer decapitating women. Watcher is now streaming on Shudder or AMC Plus if you have that subscription. Uh, and it is written and directed by Chloe uh, Acuno and stars uh, uh, Michael Monroe, Carl Guzman, and Bern Gorman. Based on an unproduced screenplay by Zach Ford, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so there's a there's a based on a screenplay by credit, but there's no other film called Watcher. So I right. guess that they they just have changed the screenplay enough that they decided it was worth kind of distinguishing. Yes, there as separating. To a, yeah, mm-hmm. which I think is interesting. You don't see that too often. 
No, no, not really. It makes me think of Moonlight, which is based on an unproduced play. Mm -hmm. It makes me think like uh, how much of it they change too, because there's a number of scripts that never get produced. And Mm -hmm. a lot of times they get retooled to the point where they don't even credit the original writer. So um, I don't know. Throw a pinhead in it and it's a Hellraiser movie. <laughs> Speaking it's, of uh, Hellraiser's not out at this point, but you guys don't you worry. We're going to talk about Hellraiser on this podcast one day. Uh, all right, so Dalton Stewart, I'm going to pass to you here. What did you think of Watcher? I like this film. It's moody. It's quiet. Um, it's it's kind of interesting and uh, definitely really uh, cleverly made. Uh, I, I like the filmmaking here a lot. There's there's some very great wide shots uh, of of. Uh, apartment buildings that are just like really kind of painterly. I really enjoyed uh, a lot of the, the photography in this film. Um, there's some big asks in this movie towards the end yeah, is what I'll say. And that kind of made me like the movie less, unfortunately. Um, again, an amazing looking film. And, and when it's working, I, I found it like really gripping and exciting. Um, I, I just, you know, it kind of, once once it gets where it's going, it, it, it there's you know it gets where it's going. You kind of know where it's going the whole time, and when it gets there, it's you know you you don't really feel that vindicated because it's been pretty clear that that's where the movie was going. So I you know it doesn't find a way to be very surprising. Uh, I think th- the ending is like compelling to watch, but it definitely asks for a pretty big buy-in as far as suspension and disbelief at, at a couple of moments. And you know whatever. I'm normally I'm not a CinemaSins guy. I hate that bullshit. But for whatever reason. Uh, there's a couple of choices at the back half of this movie that made me go, huh? Well, and it doesn't, I, w- I would say to, to echo your point, while it's engaging to watch, I don't, I think because they, they chose to end it the way they did, it doesn't really leave you with too many lingering questions or mm. thoughts to walk away with. It's just like, oh, that was it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. And it, it's, it's a pretty con- uh, concise conclusion, but, uh, you know, I, I guess it just left me wanting more, as you say. Um, I, a very well-made film, though, and, and again, an incredibly acted film. Mackay Monroe, who uh, you probably know from It Follows, is just aces in this movie. Mm-hmm. Holy crap, what a good performance. And Burt Gorman, uh, the creep of uh, of uh, the last couple of years, uh, an actor that I like a lot, just a character actor who I, I'm always mm-hmm. excited to see, really engaging here as an antagonist. Um, but the, those two performances or, are really compelling. Or is he? I don't know. I always felt like he was. I felt like it was pretty clear from the jump. I don't know. Okay. I, no, that's fair. That's fair. No, I think I think that's fair. I get what you're saying, though. There, there's definitely a read of this film where uh, you could wonder, is she being watched? Is, is she just watching this guy? But I I don't know. I feel like it's pretty clear from, from Jump Street. That, yeah. No, okay. this dude is definitely watching her back. These two people are watching each other. Right. Um, and I, I feel like that's established pretty quickly. But I, I and maybe that's maybe that's what I want. Maybe I do want some more ambiguity from the film. Yeah. As I do want that paranoia to, to feel a little unearned or a little less earned, because I feel like the film does such a good job of situating you in Mackay Monroe's POV that like there is no uncertainty. Like it feels like a, an immediate known danger. It's not an, a known unknown, right? Like it is, it is immediate. It mm-hmm. is happening. So I, I don't know that that's maybe my, my one gripe is there could have been more ambiguity throughout might, would have maybe elevated the film a little bit more, but I think it's a top thriller. And again, like works most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I think those are all very fair criticisms. Uh, Daniel Bokemper, what did you think? Yeah. I'll, I'll echo Dalton a bit just because it, it is very, it is very top heavy film, but when it does hit its suspense and its tension and it's unease, it hits very, very, very hard to a point where I realized I almost, I think the three of us here, I'll, um, not to generalize too much, but I think for the most part, we all have the privilege to not 
truly have to have experienced what, right. you know, this film is getting at the very real danger of being stalked. Um, or just it, even having eyes on you, which yeah. is like an experience as a film goer that like, whether it's like explaining, you know, being a person of color and having the white gaze on you mm-hmm. or being a woman and having the male gaze on you, like anytime a film is able to articulate the world, the, the way the world watches some members of the planet, right. like it yeah. is very compelling to me because it is like you say, like we have the luxury of not having to worry about that that often we get to go about our lives pretty, pretty much uh, unbothered and, yeah. and, and un, unobserved. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that you're very smart to bring that up. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, and it's not, and yeah, and I never really questioned and maybe the film would have had, maybe the second half of the film would have been a little stronger if there was a little bit more ambiguity as to what, if she's potentially, you know, maybe, maybe she is making up this danger. Maybe she is just watching this. Maybe this is just her reaction to, because one thing the film establishes really well is that lost in translation sense of like, I mean, I mean, actually, the film Lost in Translation, where, you know, Scarlett Johansson is her character is walking around Japan and just kind of just being this like observer who can't truly like interact with anyone there. Whereas um, with Julia, she is throughout Romania. She is like always being already being watched and being kind of ostracized just from being there. And I can think of that sequence where she's looking up at the uh, the uh, it's like a museum or a chapel she's in and she's like taking pictures um, of it, and then some random uh, the, the I can't think of the name of the the people, the attendant at the museum. Oh, one of the Romanians. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, and he's the, just like, get out of here. What are you doing? Out, yeah, just trying to get out, and she has to immediately leave it. So she's like always on that. And then I think there are some like really well shot sequences. Like there's one where she's trying to follow her um, supposed stalker. And she's like got her like she's emerging from the subway, and she lingers where her head. And her neck is just barely protruding above where where the subway actually right. reaches, reaches the road. And I think that's just like a beautifully shot and a little bit of a, a foreshadowing and kind of encapsulates what the film might be about um, in that sequence. And I and I think it does it pretty effectively. But, yeah, there there are there does seem to be some doubt. It's like how many more ways could people find a creative way to doubt this woman and it still be believable? And unfortunately, we do find ways to doubt women who are in peril all the, all, all the time people have been, you know, the victims of sexual assault and question and gaslight them. And I think the film conveys that to, a, to an extent pretty well, but it does begin to like kind of spin its wheels. And it's like, Oh my God, are, are you people really like this? Are you people? And I guess people may be like, are you really going to laugh about an active serial killer? Cause that's the one thing that's established at the start of the film is there is a serial killer on the loose and people know about it and they're on the streets and he's decapitating women. Um, but like that, that never seems to be a real threat. It's like, it's like the butt of a joke and I don't know. Well, I mean, that... to be fair though, we do live in the United States of America where, yeah. uh, like, not to be harsh, but like we, we, at least in this country, we're very good at just like allowing violence and awful things to happen. Like we are and, and yeah, our, our lives to go unfazed. Central Weird and... that Romania would be the same way. <laughs> like... No, I think that makes sense. Central yeah. and Eastern Europe have had a uh, pretty so. tumultuous history. Yeah, true, <laughs> I think it's true. fair that they're kind of unfazed by a murder or two. Yeah. And, and not that it's not horrifying. It's just that is it so horrifying that everyone stops their day to day life? Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, and uh, certainly not men. Who are not worried about being murdered. No, definitely. not at all. Definitely not, not, yeah. Yeah. Right. So and, I, I think the film like finds a way to like keep that credibility of disbelief going a little for bit, sure. Yeah. I and, guess I just mean we as audience members are definitely on, on her side. You know yeah, what I mean? Absolutely. And I and but I do think it it yeah, it does begin to feel 
a little stilted. I do like there is one particular sequence on a subway that I like near the end of the film. Mm. That I'm a big um, fan of the uh, the movie theater and grocery store sequence. Yeah, the, the, very the, early. the movie theater one in particular was yeah. very strong. Might be its strongest scene or two I, I think that whole sequence is really compelling yeah yeah, yeah. so i yeah it, it, overall i liked i did start to grow a little bit colder near the end but um still still really like the film and, a, and a, a, a few very few criticisms to lodge at it if any yeah so i'll, I'll come down probably maybe a little more positively i, I don't think this is bad I, I think my biggest problem dalton to articulate what you said is i actually wish the, the it was a little messier uh, mm-hmm. in terms of like what the takeaway was because I thought about halfway when we started, there's a point where you you follow her without getting too detailed, where she starts trying to seek out the person who she, she believes has been watching her. And uh, I was like, ooh, okay. We're sort of turning things on its head a little bit. Mm-hmm. And not that, like, I, I wanted her to, to be made out to be, you know, the, the villain of the piece or whatever. But I was like, okay, what is, is this trying to get at anything about sort of our like uh heightened paranoia, our distrust of each other, distrust each other. Right. And it turns out, nope, it is not doing that at all. No. And uh, every time I, there was a, a thing that I thought outside of the, I think really effective directing in terms of like scene to scene that several of these sequences, which I think are very compelling. There's another one I won't mention that happens towards the end of the film where she has to go knock on someone's door. And I'm like, what? is going to be on the other side of the door. And I, I was genuinely sweating. I'm like, oh, man. Yeah, I, that's I, a really compelling mm-hmm. sequence. I remember I read one but, critic. It was like, what, what, where this film holds its power is, for the most part, is what could be. Yeah. Um, and I think it never loses sight of, like, what could possibly happen. It's always that, like, potential consequence I, that it gets its well, tension. I'm very, you've teed up something we'll talk about here in a okay. second. But I'm <laughs> well, I, I just think that the, the prompt to your point, though. The movie had so much potential to to have maybe say bigger things or, or explore bigger ideas, and it just sort of stuck with the status quo, which is uh, I think we were talking about before the recording. Yeah, it's kind of a riff on Rear Window. It's really well executed. Um, I really like Michael Monroe is is incredible, and uh, I I think it ends and it's fine. It's just going to be another in a line of horror movies that are really well directed, executed. But are they saying anything? Yeah, super powerful or memorable? Nah, not really, and, and that's okay. I just was had I had hoped from based on how well it was directed and a few of the the things they were sort of tap dancing around. I really thought we were going to get something a little bigger by the time the film wrapped up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Dalton, you wanted to, to hit on something else here? Well, no, just that there's a couple of horror films uh, that uh, I, this year that I think really excel on the the question of what could happen next. Yeah. Oh yeah. Really yes. live and breathe uh, on, on that feeling of what's the worst that could possibly happen. <laughs> and you were talking of course about barbarian, which we will get to. Uh, and another film actually. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. uh, a couple of, I, but I think watcher, it definitely has a little bit of that, that magic as well of that, that, that those moments of good God, what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's, there's two films that I've been really excited about that also have that feeling. Yeah, yeah, very well. Hopefully, films that deliver a little, a uh, little more concretely than hopefully. This one. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, that that said, though, I don't really feel like we have a ton to watch. Uh, sorry, ton to talk about with this film. Uh, other than hey, uh, really solid execution. Um, what letter grade would you give it, uh, Dalton Stewart? Uh, a solid B. No, no modifiers, no plus, no minus. It's it is a straight up the middle, like really solid horror thriller. Um, it's, it's interesting again, beautifully shot, really well acted, compelling film. That's just, you know, a little light, you know, a, a little thin on an, uh, there's, you know, there's just not much there, there. Uh, you, 
uh, if you're uh, a woman in this world, good luck trusting any man you see on the street. I, I mean, which is there plenty of fodder there for movies. And we're going to talk about another one that deals with that very issue here in a second. But I, I, I just I want more there there. And I don't know how much there is. I guess there's some pretty interesting stuff about uh, how you navigate this world as you know, especially if you're a stranger in a strange place, uh, ha- making friends, uh, have, you know trying to communicate with a partner and, and how do you get your partner to really hear you? Like these, these are interesting questions the film tackles, but I, again, I just, I want more there, there. Yeah. Um, so I, I like it though. Yeah. Solid. Uh, just not a ton of meat on the bones. Also her partner is terrible. Just what a schmuck. Oh yeah. Terrible, a terrible movie boyfriend, uh, oh, awful. Oh, which awful. is good. I mean, he's, rivals we need midsummers, him. terrible movie boyfriend. I feel like, Oh God is he, I don't know. If he's that bad, but <laughs> close. Uh, they're, they're both near. pretty uh, unattentive and, 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 dire ways <laughs> I, I mean I, you know he was uh he's very involved in his work so much so that i was pretty confident he was having an affair at one point and i won't say whether or not he was but uh that's how he's mia uh during most of the most pivotal parts of the movie yeah so uh daniel bow kemper what letter grade would you give watcher Ooh, every move you make caleb every step you take i'll be watching you ah, I and see. also agreeing with Dalton I see, I see. <laughs> right down the middle. It's, it's yeah, it, it, it's got things or thing. I think, I feel like it does what I, I feel like it accomplishes what maybe like last night in Soho was getting at a little bit better than it does by making it a bit more severe. Um, I, I was not a big fan of last night in Soho. I should say that. I think it's, um, I think it's, um, God, why am I blanking on the, uh, the director's name, right? Edgar Wright. I think it's his, uh, I think it's his probably his worst film personally for me, but that's not saying much because I enjoy most of his films. Um, and so I, I think this film kind of maybe hits that a little bit better, but maybe not in some ways. But yeah, I, I, I was feeling a B. I feel I, uh, very confident in that. So uh, save it for I'll save it for a different podcast. While I am not a huge fan of Last Night in Soho, I feel like at least that movie was ambitious and what it was trying to say. Uh, okay. And I don't feel like this movie is so okay. different. To, uh, that sometimes a it's much better. smaller film though. So, so, exactly, much yeah, smaller film. And sometimes and sometimes that's okay. Like it doesn't. Yeah. Not every film has to really challenge the way you think about certain things. Sometimes well, it's just a good horror movie. You can fall under the weight of your own ambitions too, right? Like if, uh, films have crumbled under weight of lofty ambitions before. Right. And yeah. I haven't seen Last Night in Soho, but that's sort of my understanding of, of that film. It's how it feels for me. And yeah. I've seen Last Night in Soho brought up a lot in conjunction with Barbarian. And again, it keeps coming up. That That's a, a film that I've, I've seen uh, Barbarian uh, referenced, made reference mm-hmm. uh, to as far as like in comparison to the Last Night in Soho. That's, that and Men seem to be the two that people keep bringing up as far as... Uh, <laughs> Another film that crumbles under the weight of its own ambitions. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A film that I, I kind of like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, with that note, though, you guys are jumping ahead here. Uh, I'm going to give Watcher a solid B minus uh, mm, okay. just because uh, I wanted more. It was good. What we got was very solid. Very good. I wanted a little more. Maybe that's on me. Uh, I didn't watch or read anything about this film before I watched it. Other, I just I surveyed a few people who had some thoughts on horror movies. And this is one that came up a lot yeah. in the conversation. So I said, all right, I'll check it out without reading it, hoping for a little more. But what I got was very, very solid. All right, gentlemen. So. We are going to do, before we get to Barbarian, we're just going to do a little bit of a lightning round because there are other horror films that came out this year that we just didn't have time to talk about today. A lot of them, actually. Uh, I'm, for one, am, am fairly behind on my horror films, but what I'm going to do is we're just going to have one minute to talk about another horror film that we liked from this year, and we will go around Robin until we run out of movies. So I will start us off here in a second, and then we'll go around the table. I'm going to start tying myself now. 
Okay, so Dalton, you mentioned men. I'm glad that in another world that would have been a beautiful segue. I think this is probably one of Alex Garland's weakest films. I think it's the, the there's not really much subtext. Uh, the the text is men are awful, uh, and yeah, men are awful. It's terrible. Uh, women have to constantly live under the oppression of feelings, you know, like they're being watched, uh, they're being taken advantage of. Uh, the, the what the film is trying to say feels like it's it's a, a film about women living in a men's world directed by a man. Uh, so there it is. And some of the more ambitious things it does towards the end of the film, especially with the imagery is pretty powerful imagery, but feels like it's pretty weightless at the end of the day. Uh, and not again, particularly thought provoking. Um, but I would say men is, uh, worth it. If you're an Alex Garland fan and pretty much wouldn't recommend it to anyone else, solid sequences with a lot of, a lot of substance to back them up. So that is my review of men. Daniel Bokemper, let's go. Yeah, I'm going to drop Phil Tippett's Mad God. Just a little bit of background on Phil Tippett for those of you who may not know him. Academy Award-winning special effects artist. Um, he worked on Jurassic Park, Star Wars, Starship Troopers, RoboCop, I believe. And uh, yep, yep. he, it's just Mad God. It's a stop-motion passion project that took 30 years to make. It entails a nameless character's descent into just this like nightmarish realm filled with monsters made of... Um, a lot of jiggly parts and um, I uh, very little dialogue. There's a cameo uh, from Alex Cox, um, but overall just very excellent and just, yeah, very, very, very horror mind. Definitely a good one to watch early in your, uh, your October uh, horror film fest, I would say. All right. Dalton Stewart, go. Uh, I like both of those movies that you've both mentioned. Uh, I, I like Mad God a lot more than I like Men. Uh, I think yeah. uh, Men's a very flawed film. That's kind of interesting. I, I would agree with everything you said, Caleb. And same, uh, yeah, Mad God's a phantasmagorical wonder. Uh, mm -hmm. A film that I like is Speak No Evil. Now, I'm only 40 minutes into this film, I will I will mention, but uh, I this is a film that also lives and breathes on... What's the worst that could possibly happen? Uh, it's a film about a Danish couple uh, that meets a Dutch couple on holiday in Italy, and the Dutch couple invites them to come to their country home and, and spend the weekend with them. And what's the worst that could happen hanging out with some vacation friends? Uh, 40 minutes in, it's gotten pretty dire, and nothing that bad's even happened yet. It is definitely, uh, it reminds me a lot of the film Funny Games. Uh, I'm really enjoying it so far, uh, a film that I, I would recommend. Also, uh, a Shutter another Shutter exclusive. Uh, I would check that out if I were you. Very cool. Um, I lied. I have another one, and it is Master, uh, mm. a film that is ex uh, streaming exclusively on Amazon. And this is uh, a film starring Regina Hall, where she is uh, basically given this this very influential position at a New England University. Um, I can't recall if the university is specified, but essentially she is, she's given this leeway to sort of craft this program around cultural studies and whatnot. Uh, and she finds as a woman of color that it is quite a bit more challenging um, to work against the system. Now it's interesting because it is, they bring her in specifically because she's a woman of color. It, it's communicated several times with the film. That is a big reason they brought her in uh, only for their, her, for them to, consistently ignore her advice to the detriment of students. Uh, and there's, there are some horrific shenanigans that occur that she has some insight into that you have to watch the movie to discover that or may or may not be supernatural. Uh, and uh, turns out the even like left leaning white people can still be just as bad uh, at perpetuating the system as non left leaning white people. Racism at a new England Ivy league school. No, no Who'd way. Have thought? No way. Daniel. 
Yeah. Oh, no, no, I got a few more. I would say Crimes of the Future. We haven't talked about that. Um, I was somewhat warm on it, but in retrospect, I like it a lot better. Um, I wish it was a little bit more of a David Cronenberg museum, but if you want some Cronenberg weirdness, which is always appropriate around this time, um, you should at least have one Cronenberg film, uh, I feel like, in your your, uh, Halloween spectacular. Um, This one may find its place there. Um, It it, it will maybe gross you out a little bit, but in fact, it's actually just the conversations, I feel like, in the the way they're kind of clinically talking about – body modification and this the desktop surgeries and um all of this thing and and how surgery is the new sex there's just so many weird just like one-liners and pieces of dialogue that are just bone chilling and i i really i really you know enjoyed that overall an but, absolutely exhilarating Kristen stewart performance yes yes she is the by far the best part about that i'm sorry uh um vigo morrison but you crouching like a ninja the entire time is not um, quite as uh, as uh, resonating as as I, Kristen Stewart looking inside somebody's mouth as she's about to make out with them. Like, I can't wait. Dalton, yeah. next film. Uh, this summer's The Black Phone. A good time. You haven't talked about that on this. We have. You guys did cover that on the yes. show? Well, go listen to that episode. I'm sure it's quite good. Uh, yeah, I, an interesting film. I, I like it a lot. You know, it's kind of a family drama. It's kind of a horror movie. It's kind of a, a ghost story. It's got a lot going for it. Uh, I'm a big fan. All right, and uh, there was one that I hadn't thought conventionally as a horror movie, but until I was looking at my letterbox, The House, a Netflix stop motion animated film. Oh yeah, I know about this. Is yeah. chilling as f. Yeah, it, it, it's it's uh, so basically it's an anthology story. There, it is set in what is implied to be three different stories set within the same house. All of them have supernatural or weird shenanigans going on. I don't want to say much more about it other than that. You will be creeped out at some point watching this movie, whether it's the way they're animating animals or that there is some supernatural spooky stuff happening in one of them, or you're going to be grossed out, quite frankly. Anyway, highly recommend the house on Netflix. Check it out. All right, guys, we made it through the rapid fire round. Good job, everyone. Let's get to the thing we all really came to talk about today, though. The thing that the whole reason we, in fact, scheduled this podcast was we wanted to talk about Barbarian. Oh, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. This is 476 Barbary, right? Yeah, I'm renting this place. No, I booked it a month ago. Are you sure you have the right place? Yeah, what are we supposed to do? Why don't you come inside and we'll call these idiots. Why don't you just crash here? Oh, no. I don't know if you got a great look at this neighborhood, but I don't think you should be out there by yourself. It's dry and there's a lock on the door. By the way, I'm Keith. Tess. You take the bedroom and I'll sleep out here on the couch. I'm not even going to read the synopsis listeners because simply you shouldn't know anything about this movie. Just know what, you know, I could, I could even give our listener one thing to know one. What it's a don't go in the basement movie. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Don't go in the basement movie. Yeah. I'd say that's fair. I want to say nothing more about it than don't go in the basement. Barbarian is written and directed by Zach Kreger, who is uh, one of the whitest kids, you know? Yeah. Uh, comedic <laughs> troupe. Uh, yet another uh, pivot from sketch comedian to horror director. We we love to see it. Love yeah. to see it. And there's something there. 
Yeah, like in order, in order, one hundred percent. Sketch comedy is hard to end. Horror movies are hard to end. Mm-hmm. It's all about escalation. It's it's all about uh, sub- subversion of, of expectation. Yeah, keeping I, the I audience think, guessing. Exactly, strike that yeah, same chord. It, it's very. They're both very tricky to do. Mm-hmm. No doubt. So before we get into the spoiler discussion, and we just tell everyone else to stop listening, I want to make sure we all agree. Go see it, right? Get, get your ass to the theater. Yeah. yeah. Wear a mask if that's what you're into. I did. Uh, but yeah, if, if you like horror movies, you need to go see Barbarian. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I now I know there's some horror heads that don't like it. that think it's a little overhyped. And that's fair. If you are a real horror head and you know everything, like if you know the film angst and you're picking up on sort of the references being made by Barbarian, maybe this isn't for you, you know, but I, I'm a huge fan of this film and I, I couldn't more strongly recommend it. But I, I know that there are some horror heads that are you know, kind of part of the the wave of backlash against this film as far as saying, yeah, it's not that good, mm-hmm. but which is fair. I mean, there's a lot of hype around this movie right now as far as the scariest film in, in years, but that, you know, that happens every two or three years with horror yeah. movies. That's yeah. part of the marketing, unfortunately. Right. Unfortunately, the, the initial reaction and how much this film was downplayed out the gate is turning into a marketing tactic that I think might be diffusing it a little bit, but ignore it. Just, just ignore all of that and go definitely go see it. Um, it, it is a truly a Russian nesting doll of a horror movie in the best way possible. Um, and, uh, you will have your, I mean, yeah, whether or not it's, it's, it's the scariest thing you've ever seen. I don't know, but it is, you do not undersell the value of not knowing anything, how valuable that is to being scared. Um, because you know, for me, most horror movies, you know, I only, um, you know, I don't get my pants scared off. They kind of just hover around my, my upper thigh and my knees, but this film definitely, uh, both legs <laughs> out of my pants. They're so scared. Um, and, uh, that, that is a weird analogy I should work on, but, um, I definitely, I'm just, that's all to say is that even if it wasn't like objectively as scary as a lot of other films, I think that just that again, that, that not knowing what's happening just really, 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 really helps, you know, drive this roller coaster. Well, it's just, it's structured very interestingly mm-hmm. is another yeah, thing we can say without spoiling anything. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's got an interesting structure and there, there's very clever tone management going on. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of keeps you moving around time and space, uh, without letting you get too comfortable, uh, kind of keeping you on your toes as far as figuring out what you're watching. Yes. Uh, both in terms of the, the tone it's communicating with and, and as far as like where and when you are. Uh, it's it's very clever in that, that regard. And that is exactly what, what I was going to, to reiterate here. I don't know if scariest is the right way to put it, but it is a scary and then it's a roller coaster and I have no idea where it's going. And I, I have a ru- the adrenaline is rushing mm-hmm. throughout the entire time because I just don't know where we are, when we are, what's happening, what am I supposed to be paying attention yeah, to? I'm so excited. I love it. I'm so excited for the rewatch on this one because yeah. I'm quite curious how how the the, the experience of this movie will be uh, knowing uh, everything that's going on. All right. So listeners, uh, you've been warned. Stop listening if you haven't seen Barbarian. There's a reason we saved this for the end of the podcast. Do not listen any further if you haven't seen it. Even if you're not sure if you want to go see it, just go see it. And then, then you can come back and listen. All right. So, so we're done. Tune out if you haven't seen Barbarian. All right. Now, if you have seen Barbarian, you are in here. We are here just to gush about this movie. Uh, let's talk about what we loved about Barbarian. Or if you're, I guess there's probably some spoiler freaks that might be sticking around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. There, there are people who have either seen this movie or if you're a spoiler freak and want to have the whole surprise detail for you. Justin Long is in the movie. I didn't know that when I went and saw it. I, <laughs> Technically, I knew and had totally forgotten. I had seen him in the cast list and just 
for whatever reason, had totally left my mind. Yeah. And he shows yeah. up in, at the end of the first act. I was just like, oh, shit, that's right. <laughs> Seeing the one trailer that I think we've all seen about the, of no, the film. I hadn't seen, never, seen yeah, any I trailers. I saw there was like a I don't Twitter. know how you avoided that. If Well, I guess. there, I never went to a movie that showed a trailer for it. That's uh, interesting. And then I happened to see like a 30-second teaser on Twitter that did a really good okay, job of good. obscuring any details. I will say the trailer does not ruin this film in any but the original one at least i, I don't know about the I, i've heard they've changed them to have like audience reactions that's a lot of the marketing materials the on new, this movie are audience reactions yeah. which i think is a fun way to sell this yeah yeah it's kind of paranormal activity-esque a little yeah, bit but reminds like, me of that yeah i i would say um it, it doesn't but but justin long technically is in the trailer for a second there's like i must him. have forgotten about it because i remember i saw the original trailer it's and, like a and, second and i was thinking oh yeah that movie looks interesting and totally forgetting the movie existed after that yeah because i think i only saw it the one time and then mm-hmm. uh, the next day here people were just talking about how great it was and i was like and i i i was like oh crap i was going out of town for, for work uh the next day and i hit up daniel i'm like hey man you want to go see this movie tomorrow because i know if i don't see it tomorrow it's gonna be a week before i see it and if it's that long i'm i'm totally gonna get spoiled yeah. on this movie yeah uh, and it was so good it, yeah, it just yeah. added to that i went from a horror double feature that day that i already had planned which was just scott derrickson i watched the black phone for the first time and then sinister for the first time that evening and then i have this sandwich in between it of barbarian which but, but the thing I love about this is the way it plays with what we think we know, right? So so the movie opens, we, we were following Georgina Campbell, and she shows up, and oh, wow, what are the chances? Bill Skarsgård's also there. And at first, you're thinking conventional horror. You're like, oh, something happened. He probably came in here and murdered someone. There's no way this is just a co- coincidence they show up. Um, and how well they play out that entire opening sequence of, firstly, Bill Skarsgård, you know, the it clown, ter- yes. just inherently terrifying. You know you can't trust him. And even the way he acts, come down, don't come here, help me. Well, even before that, way before yeah, that, man. Caleb, I mean, just the film is so clever in the ways that, like, positions Bill Skarsgård, because he yeah, does right. shit that is, like, weird. both a red flag, <laughs> and then is also like, oh, I'm sorry I did a red flag. Oh, my God, I did a red flag. I'm so sorry. Yes. I, I promise I'm not weird. And, like, the film is so clever, the way he's mm-hmm. written and the way he plays it. It just constantly keeps you on the edge of your seat as far as what is going on with this dude. Now, I I felt very clever and had occur- I had decided pretty early that this guy wasn't actually a threat. But I've seen a lot of people that say until the moment where his head gets caved in, they were unsure what his deal was. Yeah. And I think I, that that is a very effective uh, aspect of the I, film. I see. I was thinking there was something bigger going on, but he was also a threat at the same. I thought both things yeah. were true. I just didn't know how he fit into it. It turns out he didn't. Yeah, <laughs> I, I decided uh, around the time he saves her from being locked in the basement that he was a red herring. And uh, it's, you know, obviously that was confirmed for me shortly thereafter. Yeah, the film absolutely uses it to your van because how many times do we see a Skarsgård cast? You can't trust anything? a Skarsgård in a horror movie. No. Yeah. In a basement of all places? No. You can't. No. There's three of them and you can't trust a one of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're going to do something fucked up. But so, 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 you know, I love it. It builds the tension. That entire first act, you're just you're just on the edge of your seat. You don't know where it's going. And it just constantly gets creepier and creepier. Mm-hmm. And then we learn in the second act. So so we'll get into the details of the second act, but I just want to stop and say, even the framing of this narrative. Oh, okay. They show up at the same house. How weird. Double booked Airbnb. Double booked Airbnb. Yeah. I can't believe that actually happened. That never really happens, right? The movie's like, 
Yeah, it actually it does happen all the time because property management companies don't give a shit. No. And that and then it kind of plays into the larger kind of like uh, criticism about the gentrification. Just well, just uh, social structures. Exactly. Just like our the ways in which our systems don't really give a shit about the complications of real human need. Right. Whether yeah. it whether it's property management companies or the police, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't matter. Our systems are just not set up to take care of people. And like in the film, like is so clever in the ways it engages with those themes without beating you over the head with them. And, yeah. the, and again, the ways it plays with gender and, and like the, those, those same kind of gender based scares that we talked about for watcher and men, this film is definitely trafficking in that and, and like draws a through line between all sorts of threatening and or menacing male behaviors mm-hmm. and of different, you know, varying levels of, of danger, uh, of menace, of evil and, and and just like draws the through line between all these different behaviors without again beating you over the head about like mm-hmm. we're a post me too movie like no mm-hmm. it's it's like very clever and subversive and still about like real world shit and I, I just I, I love it when a movie's able to to succeed on those levels and yeah you know, I, I think you put it really well because I never felt like the movie was hitting me up the head it, it introduces all these like seemingly disparate ideas but brings it all together absolutely through the georgina uh, campbell character yeah. and sort of her journey well and i think i mean the justin long character is there is sort of the secondary protagonist or uh, with deuteragonist if you want to get fancy well i love it though because you point out the different types of male behavior so we have an actual serial killer in the movie yes uh mm-hmm. we have bill skarsgård who is an innocent guy but just kind of shady uh and then you have justin long who's Totally like a scumbag who you're, there's like, I don't know about you. I, I actually, I'm interested to hear. Did you even think there was a 2% chance he was going to turn around in this movie? Uh, I, that's such a joy of this film, right? Mm-hmm. Is like the Justin Long character because he's introduced and you're unclear. Like what's this guy's deal? He's, he's been accused uh, of workplace, uh, in, in discretion mm-hmm. and we don't oh, even straight up sexual assault. We don't know yet, but that, that's the thing. Initially I mean, we, it's we, ambiguous. That's what I mean. Yeah. I mean, th- mm-hmm. when, when he gets that first phone call, we don't know exactly what he's being accused of. No, they, they, until the end of it. Yeah. But to Dalton's point, it, it, it takes a while into that conversation. It does. Yeah. It's, right. it's a long scene. Mm-hmm. We, we do get the, 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 what we learn what the accusation is. Yeah. And we don't really get much more info on his character than that. He's kind of a schmuck. He's just kind of a dipshit. And then we get an F slur out of him and we're like, as he's on the phone with an old high school buddy and you go, Ooh, I think I know what kind of guy this is. I think I know this guy. And then he does just straight up say what he did. And at that point, the movie is says, yep, Justin Long did an essay. That is what this character is. And then it still keeps you on your toes about what is going to happen with this character. Is he going to have a moment of, uh, of like real human growth. And it lets you think maybe for a second yeah. until he tries to kill the protagonist. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, it's, it's an amazing turn by the way, it, right? I, I, I'm going to go back and be a better person. Well, you, and you don't want it. I think the yeah. film has done a really good job of like when it gets to, for me anyway, when it gets to that scene of let, letting that character have a moment of like self-reflection and you're like, this doesn't feel earned. I don't want him to become a good guy. I don't, I don't want him to have a moment of, of, uh, of, redemption like it feels hollow in the moment and then the film like reveals to you yep yeah yeah yeah. yeah. we were messing with you we're not gonna let this guy redeem himself right. as frankly a lot of the apologies around me too movement stuff has been which is very hollow yeah you know, exactly. and, and unfulfilling and uh i love the uh, well it's gross scene really well done scene where he's in the bar telling his friend where his friend's like just 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 tell it to me straight did you did you do it you, you can be honest we're a safe place and he's like <laughs> 
you know, no, I didn't do it. I mean, yeah, she said no. It just, the way it goes, you just like, you, firstly, you get grossed out. But secondly, just the way Justin Long commits to like, he in his own head has convinced himself. He's rationalized he, it away. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. He'd, no. he'd fit right at home with some uh, former leadership of, or the current leadership, I can't remember, of a Blizzard Activision. Like, uh, he he just fits that like idea that it's just downplayed and I have so much pride, but he's also always constantly exploiting. And even this is related to something else, but like when he gets into the basement and he realizes like trying to figure out how much this house is actually Such worth. Such a funny bit. Yeah. Dude. And he's like, Oh wow, there's a terrifying fucking seller down here that it's like breaks out the tape measure and is trying to like calculate. And he's like, does the, and there's a whole thing about well, like, it's, and it's the whole first act of the movie fast forwarded, yeah. which is so clever. Like it, it, it's, it's funny because we know what's going on, right? Like Justin Long is in this, this nightmare basement and in this clear snuff film room, mm-hmm. trying to figure out how much square footage. The house yes. Has. Yes. And how much does that apply to the overall, like, Property value. Can I call this square footage on Zillow? And, and we haven't <laughs> said yet. If if you're hang, stuck around for the spoiler portion of the show, it is revealed that Justin Long is the owner of this Airbnb yes. Yes. that that has the, these catacombs underneath it. Mm-hmm. That is Georgina Campbell's character has found herself stuck in. Yeah, I appreciate the clarification. And again, I just think obviously the the movie does all sorts of interesting things within the framework, but the way that. We go from following this woman who gets in an Airbnb that accidentally gets double booked to uh, jumping ahead however many months well, it seems like a week i think is they it, say at it some a, point it it's been like a week yeah so to the actual owner of the airbnb you know it just it's such a clever way for you to experience the same location from multiple perspectives where you know she was just an innocent bystander this guy is like you said kind of a scumbag or a schmuck trying to figure out how we can get the most money out of it and how those uh differing motivations rub up against each other because well, we have georgia campbell well, who is constantly doing Totally stupid, irrational stuff. You want to know why? Because she's a good person. <laughs> like Justin Long's trapped down there and she's trying to go back, trying to get the police. Yeah. Well, know. nothing she does is irrational, right? Like, and that's, I think what works so well about this is she finds herself in a horror movie and knows she's in a horror movie and is mm-hmm. trying desperately to get out of it. Right. Whereas the Justin Long character is completely oblivious to the fact that he stumbled into a horror movie. Well, yes. I should clarify For, when I say irrational. If, if her goal was to survive, she was doing things. She was trying to s- save uh, Bill Skarsgård. She was trying to save Justin Long. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's the kind of thing. I mean, she, she survives. She, she's but, humanist by. Yeah. She she does humanistic things that are not advantageous to her survival. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is great. And I think uh, when you contrast that against the Justin Long character, it really highlights just like how um, like these systems that have been put in place lar- that are largely domineered by wealthier white dudes kind of screw over lots of other people. Well, well, and again, like she, the, her character's position is having to consider these things, right? Mm-hmm. As a woman navigating the world, she has to consider the murder basement. <laughs> she has to consider the reality of the fucking cage in the sub basement underneath the first murder basement. Uh, Justin Long is an idiot. And as, as a white dude can stumble through life without really paying attention to what's going on around him. Mm-hmm. And I, I think again, the film like has these themes running throughout it without ever calling attention to itself. Like th- that theme is illustrated to us as an audience through jokes. Justin Long is measuring the murder basement and it's mm-hmm. a huge long comedic set piece that goes on for uh, again, like a, a beat longer than you think it's going to go on for. And and again, it just like kind of underscores this, this central theme of, of da- the danger that men present to women in the world without 
hitting it on uh, over uh, hitting you over the head with it. Yeah, and this film can simultaneously talk about multiple things because in to some extent, um we might get into this a little bit, but like um Tess, the the protagonist, she she is there because she is filming a documentary about famous architects who ultimately gentrified the she is there to try and get a job as a part with a documentary documentary filmmaker who is covering these architects that basically led to a wave of gentrification within Detroit who Bill Skarsgård's character uh Skarsgård's character Keith I believe is one of those architects he's an artist that's in in the process of mm-hmm. like flipping houses exactly for so- art uh, installate or not art installations, but art collectives rather. Yeah. So they're both kind of looking at this ways of how homes transform and kind of become something different. And then again, you have Justin Log, who is just has the home just to, 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 to rent it out to anyone at randomly. It has no connection. And then another layer with the Airbnb that, you know, of course they, cause one of the things the film plays attention to that you would think, Oh, this wouldn't really happen is that the, the Airbnb has no idea that, Keith Nortes ever left the house within the amount of time it took. Oh, that to was an amazing moment. He's like, does no one been here? He's like, no, well, we, we only, really? we only send someone to clean after, uh, won't we get the next booking? And yeah. Like, so it has this like argument of what really makes a home. And it's like, well, none of these people are particularly attached. This is just a place out of a so- solely for convenience to them. Whereas like they didn't build the labyrinthian, underground network of cages where you kidnap women and create a terrifying incest family like they that is what makes a home i guess i don't know it's not really like getting at that but it's kind of interesting to see that dynamic of like here is someone who's literally deeply rooted in this house um and has established their place and it's got this pristine amid this whole like dilapidated setting around it yeah, there that reveal, one, that reveal of the, the morning after where yeah. she walks yeah. out of and, and sees like just how derelict the neighborhood yes. is. Yes. Well, and, and like, it's this, funny because Bill got, Bill, oh, sorry, I totally cut you off. No, 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 I, you're good. Well, I said, I, I, you're, you're, you're spot on because I love how Bill Skarsgård the night before and says, you don't want to go out there. It's a rough neighborhood. And you're thinking, oh, okay, it's probably a little run down, but sorry. Yeah. And, and, and then, yeah, we reveal. And then again, she goes to this job interview after we've seen the neighborhood during the day. Mm-hmm. She goes to this job interview. And her her potential boss, this filmmaker she wants to work with as a researcher, goes, oh, you're staying there? Oh, no. Yeah. You got to get out. And then she gets home the next day or after that job interview. And a dude on the street uh, is, is shouting at her, get out of that house. Like, I, again, I love these, like, constant not reveals, but these constant uh, reminders, I guess, that something is afoot, like that something yeah. bad is happening. And and the, the way that, you know, it it kind of uses – our tendency to let's say want to avoid unhoused people are you know if somebody that doesn't fit in with our conception of polite society we want to avoid that person even though that person might be telling us something critical (laughs) trying to protect us from danger uh we 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 are immediately un 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 leery of that person we don't Mm -hmm. want that person near us and again I, i just it's just a clever you know, way to, to deploy whether, whether he ends up being a magical unhoused guy is, is sort of up for debate. But I think the way that character is used is, is pretty effective. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, firstly, I think it's, I think it's really great that they, they incorporate the homelessness because it does tie into one of the several things this, this movie kind of throws at the wall. I think I love about barbarian. Uh, we've already sort of acknowledged how it simultaneously throws everything at the wall and also makes it all 
say something meaningful, cohesive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, one, one of the things I want to hit on a little further that Daniel was alluding to here is the urban decay of, of Detroit, of all places. Uh, I, I feel like there's so many layers here because – we have this city that was once like the, at the height of a, the American prosperity. Mm-hmm. And we start to see the, the flashback when all of the neighbors are like, things aren't going great. We're leaving, you know, and the serial killer is the guy who decides to stay, you know, and, mm-hmm. and what is the film trying to, to trying to like get at that? The only things that remain in these rundown neighborhoods are the were absolute worst parts of uh, the American dream. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, that I think, again, the movie is not being like really, specific about it other than it's saying hey there's still people capitalizing off of people who are capitalizing off of the urban decay no yeah they they, they, you know justin long has no connection to this house he's probably i don't he's never been in this house he just was looking at it as a way to make money and it's literally built on top of a serial killer's death labyrinth yes we haven't mentioned is played by the the incredible richard brake yes uh, who is just it's so good in this horrifying fisheye lens Mm-hmm. 80 we talked about technicolor when we talked about pearl the color in the production design of this 80 sequence we mm-hmm. kind of get this flashback to like what has been going on underneath this house it's such a again it's the second time the film breaks from its main narrative to kind of mm-hmm. bring you into a side story and it's it's just as jarring as the first time the film does it and it it reveals what it's doing so much more quickly yes you don't need i think that whole thing is like it's, six it, minutes yeah it's it's way more it's it's a I, let me phrase it it's it's as jarring as the cut to justin long but like mm-hmm. so much more quickly like reveals to you what it's showing you yes and and when it reveals what's happening it is such a uh, oh god moment it as as the film is like revealing to you what what has happened what what you're seeing what has been going on with the stakes of this murder basement are, mm-hmm. it is just such a horrific reveal. You're like, oh, this movie's absolute sicko shit. Yes. <laughs> I'm I'm really in for it, aren't I? <laughs> yes, yes, you are. But again, we haven't even talked about the character of Mother, the incest monster that uh, Richard Brake is responsible for. Uh, his character, I shouldn't say Richard Brake is responsible for it. The character he plays is responsible, <laughs> he plays. Yeah, is, is responsible for this character of Mother who is like a really sympathetic and oh yes, absolutely like and again it's this the movie like is is this this kind of taut social thriller in the beginning and becomes this sort of creature feature later mm-hmm. on and it, it, it does so many different kinds of horror and and as it introduces this kind of creature feature element it does what all great creature features do which is give you a sympathetic monster give you yeah. give you something like the creature from the black lagoon give you something like king kong give you a character that you can kind of like hang your sympathies on and, and feel bad for uh, and I, I just think it's such an interesting choice. Well, and I, I love that the 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 creature, the mother character, is essentially just a a sad product of what is left of this dead, dying part of uh, Detroit. You know, it it ties in with the it ties in with a couple different things. One, women are always going to be the victims of like men's shittiness, which is consistent throughout the film. Number mm-hmm. one, uh, and number two, it's you know the going back to what I was saying earlier when when the systems and the economy have moved on, the thing that is left to live in this place is a serial killer. And what happens to an open womb over decades? It festers, it creates more infection. Yeah. Yeah. And and this is the thing is this, this poor creature is just doing, I mean, she wants to be a mother, right? Yeah. Like it, it, it is a human, a very basic human need for, for, you know, to be a, to be a parent, uh, especially when she's been watching like all those, like, which is videos. a sequence that, I must admit does 
I give me mixed feelings. I it, it is sort of the the body horror of of mother trying to breastfeed Justin Long is sort mm-hmm. of a compelling and gross moment. But as with you know X, I am troubled by like oh big scary naked lady it is sort of like a horror trope that's not particularly exciting. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, but I, again, I do think the yeah. film is effective with that character of of giving that letting mother be a creature that is like compelling as a you know a a, a sad tragic figure. Mm-hmm. Well, and again, I think for me, it, it goes back to the the context like mm-hmm. that on its own is not very compelling or creative as a horror thing. Yeah. You know, it's it's the way they're using because I think by the time we reach that point, we have a pretty good understanding of what uh, what the creature is. Wait, yeah. That's something I've struggled to remember in a couple of conversations about Barbarian I've listened to is where does the the flashback to the 80s happen? Is it right after Justin Long gets captured? Isn't that where it occurs? Or is it after I feel like the it, bottle? It, it isn't like is it, it, is it before I, after? I think the it's bottle? before the bottle. I think it's after he gets yeah. captured and thrown in the cell. Is it like right after? What, what's the act? Uh, Georgia. Yeah, it's uh, Georgina Campbell. Georgina Campbell. Yeah. I kept wanting to call her Tess, uh, which no, is sorry. Sorry. Right? <laughs> uh, yeah, but like Tess covers his mouth. It's like, Shh, is is it right there? I'm it's like a hard sure. cut to the flashback. Right? Yeah. I think so. That's that was my remembrance in my head. That's that's where it, I remember it connected. But I, I I can't remember like I know it's around that part of the movie, but I can't I can't remember like if we have context on what mother is mm-hmm. before we see her interacting with Justin Long. And in either case, again, you know, we, we learn what mother is and, and why mother is, uh, eventually. And, and it, it, you know, does give us the context we need for what's going on, but it, I don't know. It, I, it's a mixed, it, it's I'm mixed on how well that works. Yeah. No, I think that's sort fair. of, I, I think there are subtle, some subtle things, but then they, like, for the sake of it still being kind of a somewhat of an explosive horror film, it like, maybe kind of sacrifices that a little bit. Like, even though I love the deep, deep blue sea esque moment of the Andre, the, the homeless man is like, Oh, I've lived here and she's never. Yeah. Come oh here. That was incredible. So it's yeah. The, the Sam, the Sam Jackson, uh, deep blue sea moment is yeah. exactly what made me think <laughs> it's of. So yeah, it's such Just a great moment. Second he gets that out of his line. She jumps through the wall. It was good amazing. stuff. But I do think they at least frame it a bit, but you're right. And it's, and it's where I didn't think about it. How often that trope of the, 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 the scary old looking naked lady. Giant naked lady. Yeah. Yeah. But like when Tess gets out of the escapes, the basement through the, the, or the, um, cellar through that window, that mm. small window. And when the mother reaches out because she has like basically effectively tried to adopt Tess, she doesn't reach out with like a, wah, 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 like this crazy, like monster trying to reach. It's just the subtle, like longing and like going back. And I feel like that's so much effective and it does such a good, subtle small way to distinguish this monster and and again build that sympathy i feel like yeah. every because when we first see her you know she immediately smashes uh but which i just think is such a great moment with her smashing oh, yeah. uh keith's headed because it's like oh you thought bill skarsgård was the like well you, you do you know the story about how zach krager uh wrote how this came to be no so he's he's sitting there he's been writing he wanted to write a scene that is, you know, it was a man and a woman in a scene together and, and like to put a bunch of red flags in a scene and, mm-hmm. and to like watch those the escalation of, of those, uh, you know, increasing uh, transgressions. Yep. So he gets finally to the base, you know, he's writing and writing and writing and he gets to her finding him in the basement and he's like, well, I don't now I have to like reveal what's going on. And I don't want him to I don't want it to be so obvious that he's that it was him the whole time. And yeah. he just wrote and a big giant naked lady comes out and smashes his head. And that was that was how we got the <laughs> second half of Barbarian. Yeah, that's was awesome. he just was kind of freestyling uh, the scene and, and like kind of writing as he went and just kind of letting the scene unfold for him. So there's kind of an implication that Keith may have been at one 
point in the early on in the writing process that Keith probably was the well, and I, I, it sounded like to me that he he just wanted you to be unsure of what Keith was doing. Yeah, he just wanted you to be scared of Keith, but never really planned to reveal that Keith. I, I guess maybe, but it seems like he, he, as soon as he got to the point where he had to decide if Keith really was a threat or not, he immediately decided no, he's not. No. Yeah. He was more, it sounds like he was more interested in writing the tension of yeah. the scene versus uh, having a solid conclusion, which is great. I love it. Like, it works, I love that yeah. he was able to create this really compelling story to sort of surround what was a, just an, originally, again, I think it's funny that's the, from the wisest kid you know writer. Uh, what would have been a sketch, yeah. could have been a sketch in that show fleshed out into a full-blown horror thriller well and I, I think again with you know get out and us and nope jordan peele sort of similarly shows that the the same lesson you can take from sketch writing which is you have to escalate and escalate and escalate uh-huh. and take that to its most logical conclusion yeah. and i think jordan peele's films all do that and i think this film does that as well and it just kind of shows you horror and comedy are you know sort of intrinsically mm-hmm. linked and that they are going for an involuntary reaction Absolutely. you're either trying to get a laugh or a squeal out of somebody and those are not things that an audience can control. It's just, can you as a as an artist, as a storyteller, get that laugh, get that scream? Um, and I, it's just interesting to me like how, how tightly the writing of those two things can uh, kind of co- uh, correlate to each other. Right. Well, you have to really understand the human psyche, right? You have to understand yeah. what, to make, uh, figure out what makes someone laugh. You can use the same you skills. You have to figure out how to surprise people. Exactly. Yeah, because the th- despite this film being so surprising and, and you know, subverting expectations and going in blind, it can't just do it needlessly like it absolutely yeah. can so it does it with such a delicate balance um that i don't think anybody was really expecting like that in of itself how good this film actually is um despite oh, where it's socketed in the as far as you know the september release it because like this year especially it's kind of a dead month and i'm surprised how many good things we're getting out of it but especially um with barbarian well in a film that just like nails its ending too yeah, yeah. great Great in credits, yeah. absolutely fabulous. I won't spoil that even that if if you've, if we've got any spoiler heads sticking around, we won't ruin the the final needle drop for them. But so good. So, like, what did you what did you think of the ending, Dalton? Uh, it you know we've already invoked Texas Chainsaw Massacre on this episode. It definitely reminded me of that ending of um you know our 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 heroine you know left in this this traumatized but triumphant state mm-hmm. uh, as, as the camera kind of goes in for the close up, I definitely reminded me of that, that ending. And uh, again, as with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I think one of the, the great horror finales of, of all time, I think this film like does kind of match it or at the very least tips its hat to it and says, Hey, I, I know what's got a great horror. <laughs> I know a horror movie, with the great ending and it and sort of acknowledges that great ending and tries to pay homage to it a little bit. At least that was my, my feeling. And, and again, like I, I like the, you know, the, the killing of mother is not framed as the triumph of the movie. It's no. just framed as the escape from the terror. Right. It, yeah. It's not framed as a big badass moment. It, it is framed as like a, a sort of tragic uh, uh, nightmare it is as a putting something uh, with a nightmarish existence out of its misery. It's it's a right. really sad moment. And and again, like but still like sells the horror of the the entire unfolding of events. Listen, I'm just really glad uh, that uh, Tess or uh, Georgina Campbell got out of that alive because I I was pretty sure she was uh, toast at the end. Uh, Daniel, what did you think of the ending? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I I, I think it's so good. And I also think it's because within that final instance, we get the because we're still wondering if maybe Justin Long's. Uh, character AJ is going to like turn around. Yeah, we should just... pivot back, but that is a big part of the ending is uh, the, the uh, final reveal of whether or not AJ, the Justin Long character, is gagging to redeem himself. Yeah, right. and we get one last moment of him going. He he 
to to kind of get spoiler heads, not to give it too much, but he has a moment where he could choose to maybe do something that's kind of okay and potentially have a heroic sacrifice, and he obviously doesn't. <laughs> and um, do we we even mentioned that he actually had shot Tess on accident? Yeah, right? no, you know, we, we mentioned that. Such a whiff. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. The, and a, again, another moment where you're like, "What is happening in this movie?" Mm-hmm. Yes, he 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 does shoot Tess already. He could redeem himself. He's he, very he feels apologetic. guilty about it. He's apologetic. He could redeem himself in the final moments, but well, alas. And I love a horror movie that says getting a gun is not the thing that's going to save you. Yes. Like, yeah, I, I love absolutely. when horror movies are like, no, you're not John Rambo now. You could shoot somebody on accident. You could drop the damn thing. Like, it is not the end all be all of, of safety and protection. Well, exactly. I don't know about you guys. I, I definitely was the second I saw him pick up the gun in this dark alley. I was like, oh, she, he's going to shoot her on accident. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I was like, I was just like waiting for it to happen. And I, I was like, there was like, what, maybe like a two minute period. Period, and I was like, oh, God, this is going to end poorly. Yeah. I thought she was going to die, though. So at least she was only wounded. Yeah. Well, and it just speaks to his stupidity because yeah. he had a there was a flashlight coming character. out of him. And he's like, the mother clearly does not need that a flashlight <sighs> to navigate her lair. Like, so gloriously stupid. Character. What did he think he was shooting at? And like, but also you get that after he does. He, he essentially pushes Tess off. She manages to survive uh, because of the mother's love for her. Um, and he goes down just to gaslight her for like, which by the way, I just want to point out that the, the, the mother character has to be like some sort of Olympic diver. She was able, oh, to, you get she that was great. able to, I mean, I'm just being, I'm just being silly now, but yeah. she's able to dive after Tess falls off and get underneath her and catch her. Such great form. I love too, just I, that, that you cutting through the air. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, he gets down there just to be like, Oh, you, you really fell. You fell. I don't know what happened up there. You slipped and fell. And then just for him to immediately. And I'm taking away some of your thunder, Caleb, cause you bet you brought this up when we left the viewing was like, Justin Long does not have good luck with his eyes in horror movies. Uh, thinking yes. specifically of Jeepers Creepers, but even his eyes and tusk, how much he's crying to the point of they're just like raisins by the end of it. Um, he, yeah, the the mother immediately is like, please sh- just shut the hell up of your gaslighting. It just crushes his head. Oh, it's so great. But then it's also, yes, it's the fact that Tess has to, unfortunately, the mother who has actually saved her at this point. And that's another, just an interesting dynamic. Like this, this monster has saved me. This monster cares about me. I wouldn't be alive without her, but unfortunately, yeah, we're not going to triumphantly kill the monster. As Dalton said, I have to, to put her down because this is just, this is the mess we have. And this nightmare has to be wrapped up somehow. Well, and at the end of the day, I think Dalton actually to, to take your point about the, the gun to the next level. I I really don't think the film is like praising violence in any way. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like again, it's, it's very sad when she puts down the mother character. It's not saying this is the way it's saying, Gosh, isn't this terrible? This is how this has to end yeah. for, for uh, you know, our, our main character test to get out of this. You know, it's just uh, really God. So nuanced. So smart. I, I love it. Uh, and just and just goes so against the grain of what we expect to see in, in a lot of horror movies. Uh, I, at least uh, I would say more traditional horror films, mm-hmm. not like the Jordan Peele movies. Uh, OK, guys, well, we have to wrap this up somehow. So um, what? Any closing thoughts here? Any closing thoughts on Barbarian? Uh, maybe. Uh, what do you What do you think of the film's title? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> it's. I mean, I didn't realize that it kind of alludes to it. I guess in the one trailer that I did say, there is a subtle way in which they do they do allude to the. I mean, it's on. It takes place on Barbary Lane. Yeah, that's yeah. established very early. Um, so it is appropriate, but I, I I think it it 
it works, but it's almost like it's funny. You get a little bit of that whitest kids, you know, sensibility. It's like, oh, the barbarian of Barbary straight. Like it just well, it also just comes from it was a cool uh, file title. Yes, it's, it's truly. Totally. Yeah, it's revealed in a Q&A that, yeah, he just titled it Barbarian because he thought it sounded cool. <laughs> yeah, and it just kind of stuck. And then they well, now it's on Barbary Lane and does in- introduce this interesting question of who is the barbarian like yeah it's it, it, it works definitely but oh, yeah. yeah i think the barbary lane is is sort of a clever like oh okay well now we can kind of we can at least like re- yeah like we could put the one like give a reason for contextual the textual justification for it yeah. yeah and um so yeah i really like it i think the ending I, I think if i would say anything about barbarian if there are uh the 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 spoiler heads that uh dalton is alluding to is like if you have happened to see this film already don't be a dick and spoil it with your friends. It's okay to want to watch it again, but you don't have to say anything about it. You don't have to keep people guessing. Just let them go into it blind. There may be a good chance you'll get to see it on a possibly streaming platform before this Halloween. And I would definitely oh, it's, recommend- it's a 20th century film. It's going to Hulu. You're, yeah, yeah, exactly. Hulu's so- going to have this movie in a couple months. So, mm-hmm. you know, if yeah. you don't feel like getting out to the theater, like it'll come to you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And let your friends just, if you're going to show anybody it, and you already know what's going to happen. Just let them enjoy it. Your hopefully your face will sell itself. I, I don't know how well it will hold up on subsequent viewings for me. I'm not really sure, but I still think it just does things so well that even with the mystery spoiled, it still holds I, up. Really I, well. I I I I I can't say for sure until I rewatch it, yeah. obviously. But I really do think there's a lot of meat on the bones in this mm-hmm. movie. Uh, again. T- not to, to repeat ourselves, but the way it's able to tie all these seemingly disparate ideas together through one cohesive story that is thematically re- uh, resonant, that is also very timely to the world we live in. I I don't want to get be I don't want to like set myself up for disappointment, but I really do think this is going to hold up under repeat yeah. viewings. All right. Well, I think that is going to bring us to letter grades. This has been such a fun conversation. I hate for it to end. We could talk about Barbarian for another hour, probably. But we must, alas, give a final recommendation here. What letter grade would you give Barbarian? Daniel Bokemper, starting with you. Ooh, I'm going to say B plus for right now. It could depreciate with subsequent viewings, but it was so strong initially. I I feel pretty confident in that B plus. B plus. Dalton Stewart? Uh, This is an A for me. I haven't had this much fun at the movies uh, since before the pandemic. Uh, you know, in the before times, uh, this is the, the pandemic movie for me. I, I love this. It's missing that it's missing that next thing to get me up to the, the A plus the full five out of five stars. But I, I like this movie a lot. It's, it's a four and a half stars, a full A. I love it. Mm -hmm. Uh, this is a great time at the movies. You should absolutely go see this. If you've, if you've stuck around for the spoiler conversation, you've probably, you know, I guess we spoiled pretty much everything, but we still jumped around and you've, you've definitely missed the, Mm -hmm. the, the, the ways in which this film will deliver these spoilers to you. I think you, you will probably still have a good time. Even if you know what's the experience, uh, it's so well, unforgettable. I mean, yeah. that, that's the thing that the, the spoilers are the surprises, but I, I don't want to undersell how good the filmmaking on display yeah. is here. And and us just talking about it does absolutely does not mm-hmm. do the sequences justice. So uh, Dalton, I'm right there with you. I'm not going to say a plus because I haven't watched it again to really, this is one of those I, I could see it going either way. Yeah. I think I'm going to like it more, but it could be one of those with, without the thrills it kind of loses a little bit of the, uh, a little bit of the, out of the wind out of its sails. So I want to say a, Great time at the movies. So much fun. I love that we can go to the movies and just be surprised 
and just shocked and uh, go on a little adventure. I mean, yeah, that's what I'm makes so glad so this great. got a theatrical release. Yes, absolutely. This, this is the best crowd I had had in ages. Oh, yeah. Well, Daniel and I went and saw it at a matinee at Penn Square, and it was a great, oh, still great crowd. We, in fact, awesome, amazing crowd. We also had a person in our, a lady sitting a few chairs down from us who was reacting very loudly and viscerally. Yes. Like, it was incredible. Yes. It was incredible. <laughs> at one point, she's like, she, 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 she apologized she to apologized. kind of everyone a little bit, but she I was like, the whole theater at a certain point, she's like, I'm sorry, y'all. This is just, this is just wild. <laughs> that is, is it was, incredible. It was amazing. That's what, you, that's what you hope for at a horror movie. Oh, yeah. exactly. You hope for somebody who cannot contain themselves. Exactly. Yeah. It was, it was fantastic. Oh, I love it. Uh, all right, gentlemen. Uh, well, where can listeners keep up with you and your work out, uh, online? Uh, Dalton, I know you gave us a little about Good Trash Genre Cast earlier in your 10-year anniversary celebration, but uh, where can people keep up with you and your work? Uh, yeah, if you want to follow uh, what we're doing over at Good Trash, we're on Twitter, at Good Trash Media. Uh, you can uh, go check out our 10 years of Good Trash Marathon that we're doing right now. Uh, we're on Spotify, finally. We're Woo! on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio. Uh, however you get your podcasts, we are probably there. I think we're even on Amazon Podcasts. Uh, that's Good Trash Genre Cast if you want to give us a listen. Uh, we just finished our uh, 10 years uh, marathon. As I mentioned, we did things like uh, uh, Escape from New York, But I'm a Cheerleader, Smokey and the Bandit, Men in Black, uh, films that just, you know, that are near and dear to some of our hearts or films that are, are kind of of a piece with films that we we cover on the show, things that didn't make sense that we hadn't gotten to. And now we're doing our, our 11th uh, Shocktober, uh, our 11th Horror Marathon. Uh, we're covering things like uh, Candyman, the Nia DaCosta film, but we also spend a lot of time on that episode talking about the 1990 original. Uh, of course, Nightmare on Elm Street, which I've already mentioned, but we're going to be covering 28 Days Later, The Babadook. So stick around for Halloween. It'll be a fun one. Uh, that's the Good Trash Genre Cast uh, at Good Trash Media on Twitter. If you want to follow me individually, you can. I can't imagine why you'd want to do that, but it's at doll underscore stew if you want to find me on Twitter. Uh, but yeah, go check out Good Trash Genre Cast uh, we are wherever you get your podcasts. Awesome. Listeners, check it out. 10 years, huge achievement, like I said earlier. And uh, Shocktober is a great time to, to get on board. Daniel Bokemper, where can people keep up with you and your work online? Yeah, mostly at the Cinematropolis, of course. Um, catch me on uh, a few of the, uh, the podcast, the occasional essay. Um, also you can find me, uh, writing book reviews for pretty much every issue of uh, world literature today. One just dropped. So be sure to grab it. There'll be another before the end of the year as well, uh, with another one of my reviews. Um, but yeah, if you want to find me resharing basically my Metropolis things, uh, you could find me on Twitter, uh, Daniel underscore Bo camper, spell Bo camper, just the best you can. And Twitter will redirect you to me inevitably. And of course, you can keep up with everything we do over at the Cinematropolis at thecinematropolis.com or on our social media channels, facebook.com forward slash the Cinematropolis or on Twitter at the Cinematrop. I'm tweeting about film, television, video games uh, over on Twitter at C Masters Talk. That's letter C Masters Talk. Lately and until the end of October, actually, it's probably a lot of House of the Dragon thoughts because I'm also hosting my podcast, The Cast Beyond the Wall, where we're recapping every episode of House of the Dragon so far. Daniel uh, Bo Kemper even joined us for an mm -hmm. episode. Actually, two episodes, one on episode three, three of House of the Dragon, and also uh, our sort of uh, check-in, quote-unquote, on Rings of Power, uh, where we talked about how lack of power it has. Um, all right. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us. Happy spooky season. We're happy it's here. We'll be back next time with an in-depth review of Halloween Ends. Halloween Ends.